Hey everyone, Mike and Sonya here. We just wanted to jump in at the beginning of this episode real quick. Just let you know that we do what we do best and we ramble on for a little while here at the beginning. I'm sure this is groundbreaking, shocking information for you all to hear. But luckily, we've got timestamps in the description to help you if you want to just skip ahead right to the episode. We talk about what we're watching and listening to till about the 28-minute mark, and then eventually VH1CU News wraps up around the 40-minute mark. If you want to jump ahead, no offense taken, we do not mind. Some, you know, We understand some people here just want to listen to the episode. Some people the, like us get to the rambling, facts. having fun. Exactly. But do us a favor, please, if you jump on our Twitter at RewindLovePod. We do have a series of polls going up because we do have a gap week between shows. So we're looking to do something different, some little fun. Yeah, let us know what you'd like to hear about or reach out to us by email at RewindTheLovePod at gmail.com. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy the show. Bye! Hey everyone, welcome to Rewind the Love, a podcast about the best era in reality television. Recapping shows like Charm School, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, and all the great celebrity shows that you love. I am Mike. And I'm Sonia. And it's finale time! Insert cheesy joke here. (laughs) I'm going to save you the despair. (laughs) Thank you, despair. Did I use that properly? No, but it's fine. I mean, despair is like low-key fitting because this episode has a lot of feels. Not a lot of drama, not a lot of laughs, just mostly like emotions. A lot of emotions. Just a little surprised. Taking me over. Is that the right line? Yes. Bee Gees? And Destiny's Child. Oh, that's right. They did do a cover. They did. Mm. Well, that's an exhilarating start to this podcast. I mean, this is what you come here for, right? Like, shit like this? Uh, But I was thinking it was interesting, though, because I said to you, like, before we started recording, that this episode is a great one to watch, but not necessarily a good one to take notes on and to try to recap on, like, a podcast where we try to be funny. No, the, almost the entire episode. I mean, there are obviously some drama pieces, but for the most part, I feel like a lot of it was just sad. Yeah, I mean, not sad, but just like emotional, you know? But thankfully, the VH1CU came through with their fair share of drama, yes. even despite the quarantine situation. Busy. Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe. Everybody's just, you know, got a lot more time on their hands, so shit goes down. Right before we get into that, everyone, you could follow along with us uh, by watching on either Hulu or... Not YouTube. Yes. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) But yes, update us, Sonya. What has happened? Well, like, first I wanted to do what we're watching corner or whatever we're calling this Well, I was going to say, because, yes, it's not all reality television. Well, it's been reality television lately, which has been kind of not and like us. I don't know about you, but, I mean, well, you don't watch a ton of reality TV anyway. I don't. But I feel like I've had a harder time. I don't know if it's just because I've we don't have cable anymore and it's, like, a little bit harder for me to find the shows that I watch. Or I just, because of this, I'm not necessarily in that headspace anymore, just the world in general. But I I finally come back around and started watching some reality shows. I mean, they're pretty much, for the most part, all of them are accessible between Hulu, Tubi, and I don't know if Amazon has any. 
And I mean, Netflix usually it's about, it's about keeping shit. up with the newer seasons, though. That is like uh, a little bit more work. But uh, as opposed to well, the Kardashians. Which actually, I don't watch, but you know. Ever? I have. I have before, but I, I stopped. I mean, who hasn't? You know, yes. <laughs> I stopped with the Kardashians when it was like I was just watching what was already in the news several months later. Yeah. Like it got a little boring. Mm. There are people dying, Kim. Well, it's Kim. There's people that are dying, oh, which is it. a gif I use once a week. Courtney's my favorite. Lately, Courtney's the, Courtney's the best. Um. So, what are we watching? So, first, we're watching a show. If you have, well, obviously, I assume you have Hulu. If you're not necessarily, I assume if you have Hulu, if you're watching this, but or if you helped. have cable, you can watch on demand. That's true. I forgot. We it. we're cord cutters, so we forget that cable on demand is cutting an cords, yo. If y'all have babies, we're the pros. Okay. Um, <laughs> We were watching this show. There's one season of it on Hulu. And I assume, like I said, like you said, it's on demand called Marrying Millions. I think it was on Lifetime and or A&E. They're owned by the same people. So they probably just kind of fluctuate. Mm. But holy moly, a mess. Must be kind of a mess. I don't think I've ever heard you say holy moly. I actually think I said holy moly the other day. but uh, No. You did. I did it and I think you laughed at me because it was so confusing. It's so because, rare. Because, now because I know. love to swear and it sounds so polite. Holy bajinkers. <laughs> That's oh, bajinkers. What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, so marrying millions. If you like heavily producer intervention staged scenario type of thing like if you're willing to suspend your disbelief of reality tv which i think if you watch reality tv you're willing could to do. this would it almost have somewhat of the same feeling at least what i get reminded of is almost like is it 90 day fiance um, that's the one where they're like so they're, i'm sorry everybody we don't watch a ton of 90 day fiance we watched a couple of the old seasons but then a season got really boring and we sort of fell that's, off yes but we I, we know we need to join back in everything bonkers that's going on it reminds me of a tweet i saw about empire and someone said every single one of us missed one episode and never went back that's so true and it's literally what happened to us we missed one episode we're like oh fuck we're gonna have to catch up we just never went back yeah it's all it was i mean we we i've actually low-key considered doing that once like this podcast kind of dies down like several like, I don't know, years from now when, like, we're on the offshoots of the offshoots of the offshoots, you know, that we may just pivot to either 90 Day or... Actually, I was thinking Southern Charm or VPR, but there are enough people do enough of those, right? I don't know. I, we'll see. I mean, we we'll have a see. lot of shows to cover. But, yeah, so Marrying Millions, let's, let's talk about it very quickly. It's, like I said, very heavily producer invention. It reminds me stylistically of Bridezilla's, how it's, that's very, like, producer stage drama. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's very interesting because all the couples are terrible people. Like, everybody in the couples are terrible people, but for different reasons, I think. I guess. I guess terrible is a little bit strong because there's that one Christian couple where the, the girl seems pretty nice, but the guy seems like a dick. The uh, he's like the tech guy, and she's the one that looks like your friend's wife, friend who shall. Oh, okay, yes. yes. Then there's a couple like the one that you come to this kind of show for, right? It is like a sixty-year-old man that looks like a mix of the Quaid brothers and a twenty-one-year-old, like stunningly adorable, fresh-faced 
Latina girl mm-hmm. who is in over her head with this piece of garbage man. But then again, she's also like really annoying because his ex-wife Very. is who he's friends with is like, girl, if you don't think he's going to cheat on you, you're delusional yeah. because he's you been got- cheating. He, I got cheated on. All the other ones got cheated on. He was out with some girl the other night who wasn't you. Like, why would you think that you're the yeah. exception? The girl's like, wow, she's really trying to sabotage our relationship. <laughs> she don't give a fuck about yeah. Like, tr- she does, she's not trying to get him back. She's not doing no. any of that. She's like, giving her a fair warning. It's like, yo, you got like four to five years at most. And on top of that, like, she's so, I don't know how to be around rich people. Which, you know, I, I can get some of that anxiety, you know. But this guy came from nothing. He just made a lot of money in real estate. And apparently he's like rich, rich. He's got but money. we don't know. Like, so rich that he his net worth is like not readily available. But <laughs> he looks like he's got money because he doesn't look like he gives a shit but he's yeah so he's one of those kinds of rich guys now granted i've thought about this before because my mother is like a kennedy family stan so i've thought to myself i would be nervous if i was trying to date somebody and come into a family with like family money like people who have been rich for like generations and have only grown up like Meghan markle right exactly like well Meghan markle yeah chill (laughs) (laughs) that's true we could we could couple swap with that. I might be down with that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. This Come on. This, this, this isn't wife swap. It could be. Could be us, but you playing. <laughs> anyway, so where was I going with that? Oh, so, like, she's all nervous about being around his rich friends. And granted, I get that there's a bit of society culture within Dallas. Like, I watch my fair share of Real Housewives of Dallas. But, like, sis, he's – you're not – it's not going to be as hard for you to acclimate as you think. You know, you're not coming into a Vanderbilt, you know, Morgan level family where they only ever know being rich and bougie. This is like new money. New money is easy to acclimate to because they're basically like you, except now they, have they ain't got no sense. So chill. I just don't understand them as a couple because... What could you pot? Like, there's nothing. And you know what's the worst is like, he's like an unfortunate looking dude, but his teeth in particular, um, how are you going to be rich and not fix your teeth? Why doesn't everybody live by Cardi's example? It's right. It would be, if I had a shit ton of money, it'd be the first thing I did. And you have decent, you have good teeth. Thanks. Like, I would get my teeth fixed 100%. I want it like, cause there's, and the, his girlfriend, or is it, no, they're not engaged. I think they're just dating. Yeah. But like her, we even paused at a time and we look and we're like, all right, she's got, her, she's got incredible. She is literally like the perfect, like, like you could photograph teeth. it and put it in like a dentist magazine. It's like, what Shiny is going on here? Shiny teeth and me level fancy, right? I, I, they're a mess. There's a couple that met on a sugar baby website, which, you know, girl, good for you. But she is insufferable. That, that girl is awful. She's got- and another one where if I was dating somebody that rich and who was giving me all their money and I didn't have the moral like I did not that taking money from people is not moral. I'm just saying I just I personally like I'm terrible with receiving like gifts or people being nice to me in any way, shape or form. <laughs> I don't understand how she is in all these talking heads and in the episodes themselves dressed like shit. Her hair looks terrible. Just a mess. And, like, you have access to this man's, like, black card. Girl, make it make sense. Doesn't make sense to me. Then there's the one who's pissed that she has to sign a prenup. Mm. Which, this is the only one that comes from, we like, family. Mo- this is the only one that comes from family money, like, isn't self-made and he's, yeah. like, from a publishing empire. Sis, sign that shit. Just make sure there's a clause that if he cheats on you or something goes wrong that you get a buttload of money. That's it. Just negotiate. 
something that works for you if he fucks up into the prenup. Well, I mean, he could just then say, I would, like, I would nah. happily sign one as long as it worked out for me. Yeah. But he could be like, no, like, we're not doing that. Like, the fortune is Then I'm mine. not signing shit. And Which means up. you're not getting married. Okay. Yeah. That's why I think it's funny. The dad's just like, you're already pretty much. You got the kid. Like... The only but that's the gag is the dad it makes this the dad who's this like publishing a piece of garbage he's like marriage changes everything and now granted we've been married for a little over a year now mm-hmm. but we lived together for several years dated for several years prior to that mm-hmm. i don't feel like a lot has changed not really i mean granted no. the the part I legally think that, the part that changes I would I assume is a child and they already have the kid so that would be the bigger change to me but like we've been sitting around doing nothing but hanging out with each other for like how many weeks now three four weeks like I think it's been three weeks to the day yeah our our relationship has not changed no like it's the same shit so if it changes that means you fucked up somewhere (laughs) anyway we talked about this way longer than I wanted to we have to move on to the bigger thing that I wanted to talk about reality TV-wise, Real Housewives of New York. Now, admittedly, I have fallen off the wagon. And I know that this is people's favorite Bravo show. This is, like, the most compelling. I just fell off and never... It was, like, one of those things. I missed an episode and I never came back, you know? It's considered the most popular of all of them? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think it's, like, like a fan favorite. Mm. I know that it's the basis of a lot of you know crappens the crap watch what crappens universe which is like if you don't listen to that bravo podcast i don't even know what you're doing and you're a bravo fan but i decided because it's all on hulu and i have nothing but time this is like an elaborate ad for hulu apparently this whole fucking podcast (laughs) but um i have nothing but time so i decided to start back up from season one Mm -hmm. mike's been watching a lot with me not every episode but i feel like i've seen we're on what now episode nine of season two i believe so we're towards oh no season two got a bump in episodes i I think we're close to the end i think i only missed halfway i may have only missed one or two from season one at most and then season two you've watched a few without me how are you feeling about it so far i don't know i've never been into the housewife shows these of the of the housewives you've watched which is the ones that i watched so you've watched but i've caught them all at later seasons which is where it gets more into the producer fed shit i think that's true when the early ones like with this like i watched yeah you enjoyed season one oh i was like they seem like they got like some legit issues and like problems with people but you also then see like i know i look at like housewives of jersey for instance because if i'm not mistaken season one is when Teresa and the family move to to the house they live in currently, yes, yeah. That's season one, right? Which side note, R.I.P. No no. Shout out to a real G. There you go. Um, but I look at things like that and like they're not necessarily used to being in front of a camera or talking, so it's kind of funny watching them get used to it or get comfortable with mm. it. And they say or do things like, Oh, it reminds me of like the you know, I wish every day was diversity day. Like, I feel what? like it's like the office filming where Michael Scott will look at the camera, just say something to like hype himself or like the show or something up. I know it's got to go to the office. You're somehow. really basing your threshold for with actual reality shows on a fake one. I wish every day was diversity day. Anyway, the way he looks at the camera and it's like, you know, it could be like I could picture them being like, oh, like 
I'm going to donate like this money to charity right now and do it. And they look at the camera and be like, Oh, I wish I could donate to charity every day. And it's like, all right, stop overselling yourself and like, just be you. We actually, I forgot to bring up the fact that you have a Uh, tie to the real housewives of New York universe. Yes. So do you want to explain what it is? I mean, yeah, we don't have to do crazy names or anything, but pretty much, uh, the countess, Luann. It is Countess, Luann. Right? Countess Luann, yeah. Yes. Everybody knows Count- Luann. There was a, at a point in my life where she was almost my aunt. Yeah, she was engaged to To my Mike's uncle. uncle. Uh, there are pictures there of me. There is one, yes, baby Mike with yes. baby Luann, basically. I think it was my christening. Know? It was. Yes. Funny you know that. Well, because I, I've shown that picture to like a million people. Oh, that is true. People go, what? Yeah. It's because it's very random. Yes. The Countess was almost my aunt. Yeah. When in I was a, a baby. In a different universe, you know? That's crazy. She apparently, according to the your multiverse. family, called up your uncle and was like, should I marry this guy, a.k.a. the Count? And apparently it worked out, but... Look at them. <laughs> they're not still together, though, right? No, they're not no, still it's together. Only, well, no, absolutely not. Worked out for a little bit. But yeah, so you love Bethany, though. Yes, Bethany's my girl. Yeah, she's very much your type, also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, not as much physically, but I guess more personality-wise. It's she's more, very much your type. Pretty much every housewives I've seen, though, she's just like, she seems, I guess, more herself in moments. I love that Andy calls it in the loose. season one reunion. She He calls her the Greek chorus, and that is the perfect way to describe Bethany and why I always love Bethany. Explain. Well, the Greek chorus is basically, in, in classic literature, the the narrator so to speak or just the one kind of responding to what's happening in the scene so the narrator no she didn't i get it yeah what it's like when you see the memes online where it's like oh i definitely got this and then the narrator really but it's also kind of like saying what the audience is thinking or like you know she's a little bit she's a little real for the real housewives she's very real for the real housewives or at least and i appreciate that and then of course how have you come around on Simon and Alex at all, or are you still a little bit now? I mean, because now we're well, we're almost done with season two. I'm torn They're by annoying. how I feel about them. It go yes, it goes very back and forth. In season one, when it's all like, oh look, we're in. Oh, I'm not going to do an accent. Uh, <laughs> it's like, look, we're in the society pages. Yeah, you know, page six. Oh, showing well, your four year old. It's always good to mom... be in here. Yeah, it's like all they care about. It's I know they say they're it's not social up. climbing and they all are. that shit, but. The way they were portrayed in season one is 100% what they care about and what they do. Yeah. It was a little exhausting, but they are... And they need to update their website (laughs) from season two. They are surprisingly a little bit more... I remember, like, being so irritated by them, but I'm watching them now, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, some of those feelings are still there, but some of it is just kind of like, you know, they're they're harmless. It's really... For the most part. Bethany put it pretty well. They're harmless. That's really... I feel like that's kind of been what's easing them with me i still and i still have my ups and downs it's baffling to me though because if you for those of you who don't know by the time season one and season two are airing alex is 34 35 i turned 31 this year the fact that she is only four to five years older than i am at at that point than i am right now is like mind-blowing i also feel like she's the youngest one she's she's younger than bethany which is super mind-blowing to me I don't know if it's because she's married with kids. And that Bethany looks pretty young, though. Bethany's uh, 38, 39 at that point in the show. I was yeah, a little surprised. That's fitting. Yeah. She looks young. Yeah, that's... And plus she's... I mean, not that 
there's anything wrong, of course, at all with not being married and not having kids. But I guess she's got more of a youthful vibe because of that, whereas Alex is more like mom. And then Alex, and then Simon is also way older. What is he? I think he's nine or ten years older than Alex. Oh, wow. He's mid-40s, huh? Yeah. So I guess he ages her a little bit. That could be it. I was surprised how much... Well, side note also, we... I love Jill. Do you? How do you feel about Jill? Bobby, She's kinda, she goes back and forth once in a while, which yeah. kind of annoys me. I guess because, like, I she reminds me a lot of, like, my mom in some ways. Just very in your well, business. Yeah. Like, I, but in but with love. Exactly. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. She's, like, very on your case, but it's always in a, in a very good, loving It's always way. from the good place. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, Bobby, I will argue, best husband in reality TV history, R.A.P., no, I wouldn't say reality TV history. Sorry. Housewives, Housewives history. My mistake. And then who does that leave? Oh, Kelly, who I hate as much as I did then. We just got past the episode where she she, she comes to the dinner with Bethany and she's like, you're down here and I'm up here. That was annoying. Like, what the I, fuck does that even mean? She just seems like I mean, she, I know was, what it means, she but. was placed there. By, I don't know if it's producers or I just have a hard time if you're like, I'm a very private me. person. Then why the fuck did you sign up for reality TV? Yeah. Like, if I don't you, attach if, my name to anything except bitch, the intro to this show. Then, like, make up your mind. Be one thing or be the other. Yeah. And I don't have the patience for that. I feel like she was kind of forced onto it, though. And then they forced that. her to have some issues with people. No, I think those issues are genuine. Because if I... Or she just I feels feel like I'm, I feel like I'm personality-wise, like, a mix between... Uh, Jill and Bethany like that's always kind of how I felt mm-hmm. and uh, like the things that Alex Alex um the things that uh, Kelly does that are bothering them are like deeply bothering to me if you're gonna show up like if you want to come to talk to me you show up a half an hour late and the first thing that comes out of your mouth is we are not friends <laughs> that is funny. like girl what the fuck it's terrible but funny and if the only like and how only, dare you not be friends with Bethany? And listen, I'm late, but I'm a, I'm an apologizer. Like I don't think that my time is more valuable than somebody else. I'm just terrible at prior like you know time management. Yes, <laughs> like we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and then well, we can't leave it at that because we have to talk about Ramona. Well, no, I meant we'll leave that part at that. Oh, we'll leave it that. And, Your poor time and management. And we're working. We're working TM. Mike up to Scary Island. What is Scary Island? Oh my god! Oh, how this many is times never mind. Do I need the to... fight. Yes, never mind. I keep hearing. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Scary Island. Okay. So wait, wait, we have to talk (laughs) about Ramona. ASMR recap of it. Let's talk about Ramona. Ramona. I think she's your number one most hated now, right? My thing. I yeah, probably. I don't want. I never want to use the word hate because there's very few that I like. Oh my god, I can't fucking stand you. But there's a lot of times where she goes so back and forth on. It's like she. I don't know if it's the producers forcing them no. to think or if she always no. is just speaking her mind I, I know somebody who is and you know this person you've you met her like once or twice but like i've spent enough time with this person she is a hundred percent exactly like ramona like and th- just thinks that she is doing you a favor by saying the most heinous things but also like is so i don't know i don't want to say sensitive to energy but just I, there's so much that ramona does that like reminds me. the episode we just saw the most recent one is where she's doing her like i don't know if it's a makeup or lotion thingy yeah and then she goes to bethany and bethany stands up for jill which is like oh good good true friend really standing up and then she's like that yeah, yeah, yeah well well yeah we'll get to that eventually but then she says something where it's like, oh, well, because she likes the underdog and you're the... And I'm like, you don't need to say these things. Yeah. 
She thinks she's doing people a favor. I What I think is really interesting. Or making herself feel like, oh, well, my feelings need to be what is the word? shared. I guess shared, but also like it's the only way. Prioritized? How she accepts something in her own mind. Like what everything it? needs to be the way she. She's like, I, I, she's like, all right, you're going to say these nice things, but now I need to say, oh, well, because she likes the underdog because for whatever reason she can't accept the fact mentally in her own head that like oh like they're actually just friends and she likes helping i but i do like there has to be a motive behind it that, and that's what gets is, ramona though, in her I, head to be like oh it, that's what's going on as fucked up as it is for be- for ramona to say i low-key feel like that's true about jill a tiny bit well i don't know because i haven't seen them like it's i that's one of the things that i have a hard time with with jill like it does kind of feel like she's that sort of person but in general i think that she's fine nobody's perfect. over the seasons i will i was come just to surprised how like i forgot that mario was such a dick i mean i knew that he was like a cheating piece of garbage but like the way he speaks to jill in like a couple episodes i and alex and like i was like it makes it seem the way he speaks to jill i sit there and i go like they seem like they've been like close friends for a long time but that was mean we're like you can talk like that like if i went in and like me and one of my best friends were like going back and forth like you shouldn't be doing this no it's different to your friend's partner I mean, to your partner's friend. No, but I mean, it seems like... If one like, of your friends touched me in my face, if one of... Or, like, the other way see, around... See, but I look at it as if not necessarily one of my friends shushing you, but as more of... If you shushed one of my say, friends, I would punch you in the face. I know, but let's say it seems like they were friends for a long time before, like, Bobby ever came into the picture, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I don't... I like, don't the way he interacts, true. he feels comfortable enough to say this stuff because they've been true. friends for... It's, I, don't, I, I don't think that's It true. was wrong, and the shushing no, especially No, it, it looked like he just doesn't really have respect And then Bobby's women. like, all right, all right, like, let's go, I mean, what's let's Bobby go really to the do? Greek islands. Yeah. I just am really surprised. I forgot all about the fact that they gave Ramona such a, like, milfy, I'm not like regular moms, I'm a cool mom type of edit. <laughs> Like, that was the most surprising part. I mean, granted, she looks fantastic for 52. I no, think good she for her. The time this show is. She does but, have good skin, as she claims. And she's got an incredible, like, butt. Her legs are fantastic. It's it's just so bizarre that she's really framed at the very beginning. Like, she's just like a flirty, cool mom. So let's get into the VH1CU news fucking half an hour later. Did we miss anyone? No, not at this point. There's, no, we there's went other over people over coming. The main, yeah, yeah, there's right. there's everybody everybody else the is coming. There's some other interesting characters on on the way. Oh, can't wait. Aviva with her leg. Sonia Morgan. I've heard of the leg. Sonia Morgan, Dorinda, just characters. Uh-oh. Uh so yeah, VH1CU News O'Clock. I guess Oh wait, no, I had one more thing. So this Uh-oh. is an apology on my part. I recommended a podcast last week called Pajama Pants. Mm. Which is hosted by Jamie Lynn Sigler and Rob Eiler from who were best known on from The Sopranos, and a YouTuber named Kasim G. In general, I've been a big fan of the podcast. They, I, because I'm a Gemini, just love mess. I love to overhear people's conversations. I'm nosy, whatever, and it's very much that kind of vibe. They had, of course, as soon as we recorded the last episode, I of our show, we I went back and listened. And they, the two guys, had a super transphobic conversation that I'm not going to repeat and I don't necessarily encourage you to listen to, but... Skip that episode. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. Does it change your view overall now when you listen to the show? It, I'm not going to lie, it did make me less inclined to go back and listen this week. And I have to, yes. 
honestly. And I, I feel bad saying that because they seem like nice people. And it was it. It's not my place to judge how hateful and damaging of a conversation it is because I'm a cis person, but it it was a very disturbing conversation that made me very uncomfortable and clearly came from a place of straight up ignorance. But it it just was I, I just don't want you all to think that I endorse that sort of behavior. I don't want you to hear like to go listen to the podcast, hear that episode and be like, oh, so that's the kind of shit that Sonia is OK with. No, not at all. So I just wanted to. Not necessarily rescind my uh, endorsement of the show, but just let you know that that is not the kind of thing that I support in any way, shape or form that we support in any way, shape or form. It's really one of those. It's like it's like before things pop up for a show where like the TV station is like the entirety of, you know, Disney does not agree with these views. This is a person's thing. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I don't know why I brought up fucking Disney, but. Just, it's I mean, example. no, that's a no, that's a good one in terms of because like with their racist stuff yeah. in the past. This does not represent their like views, the or views or beliefs or whatever, yeah. right? This is from a different time, but I mean, this was from about a week ago, like no, a couple weeks ago. About a week ago. <laughs> so yeah, so that was an uncomfortable thing, but I just wanted to be transparent and be honest with with y'all because I consider you like like fam. So. Yes. All right, for real now, let's get into VH1CU news. Who boy. We got some stuff on the docket. I guess we'll start with the tamer stuff. Uh, Chuck D says Flavor Flav never fired from Public Enemy. According to Billboard.com, Chuck D sat down with Talib Kweli and the People's Party to talk about the messy fiasco, which stemmed from Flavor's reps issuing a cease and desist letter following the Bernie Sanders campaign using Chuck D, like Chuck D participating in all that stuff. (laughs) Flavor don't know the difference between Bernie Sanders, Barry Sanders and Colonel Sanders. Now, in fairness to Flav, which I cannot believe that I'm saying. (laughs) First of all, apparently there's a section of the Trump-loving internet that does not know the difference between Barry Sanders and Bernie Sanders. Yes. Although I low-key think that Garth Brooks is a Bernie supporter, and that is why he wore that jersey, but I'm just saying. It was interesting. I know he was in Detroit. I get it. I mean, it's Detroit and their most famous player of all time. It was a choice. It's not. It's not a choice. Whatever. He's the most famous player to ever go through Detroit, and a lot of people will argue that he is the greatest running back of all time. I'm just saying it was it was he could have not worn it is what I'm saying. He could have not worn it considering everything that's going on right now. There's no one on that's not an endorsement. He could have worn. There are okay. There's a. We all know that I we're just staunchly anti-Trump, but I'm going to stay out of the Democratic candidate space. Yes, but let's be honest with ourselves. Flav knows who the fuck Colonel Sanders is. Yes. Very well. He took, he took Heather slash crazy to uh, KFC. Of course he knows who Colonel Sanders slash is. Neve. Slash Neve. Slash uh, Neve. Put talk- respect on her name. <laughs> on her, which name? Her performing name. <laughs> we already talked about this beforehand. Public Enemy Radio went up. His lawyers sent a cease and desist. I'm like, good move. And then publicly, I'm like, man, don't sue me again. He ain't suing me, but I can say it. I'm not saying it's a hoax. I'm saying the original intention was to get your attention. When Qual- uh, when Quali noticed that Flav can't be fired, Chuck agreed he can't. He's a partner. He went on to reveal that the non-feuding duo, on the contrary, have music in the works. Uh, the upcoming album's lead single, Food as a Machine Gun, 
whatever that means, is arriving on April 1st. We have not listened to it, so I can't speak to it. Mm. But it is a thing that exists, apparently. It has the chance to be, this is Chuck D's words, not mine. It has the chance to probably be the most significant hip-hop record of our time. Everybody is entitled to their opinions. See, now it's only hype if Flav says it, though. So this is fact. Right. Because it was Chuck D. Exactly. Terminator X. In response to that, (laughs) gotta love this lead from, again, also Billboard.com. Flavor Flav says, don't believe the hype. After Public Enemy leader Chuck D made noise last month with claims that the legendary hip-hop crew's giant clock-wearing hype man slash co-founder was no longer a member of P.E., Flav tweeted on Wednesday that you can't trust it. I am not part of your hoax, Flav tweeted in response to D's interview with Talib Kweli of the People's Party. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Claims that it was to get your attention. He noted that Flav is a partner. Can't be. Oh, so here's the tweet. At Mr. Chuck D. Now, this is normally where a regular person would do an ellipsis or whatever but instead of periods he does commas i don't know it's just it's a choice on his part which side note have you been seeing flav's instagram it doesn't look like he's practicing social distancing no i don't follow him you're not missing much but it doesn't look like he's practicing social distancing is all i'm gonna say there are more serious things in the world right now than april fool's jokes and dropping records the world needs better than this you say we are leaders so act like one the tweet encouraged people to help those in need by donating to the music music cares covid19 relief fund which is great nice props to him for that very very good move and you gotta love how ass backwards the times we're living in have to be for flavor flav to tell chuck d to focus on the news and current events instead of silly jokes he wants the news like what sort of fucking freaky friday shit is this (laughs) what the hell is going on there's pr team but i mean like oh so that's where his pr team has to draw the line we got three seasons worth of fuckery with 20 something year old women and this is where he's like guys we need to straighten out exactly well, if that's the case, then Flav's PR team is probably working overtime in the middle of everything going on because he's got some other drama brewing. So if you remember, I guess it was almost a year ago now, probably more recently than that, but Flavor Flav was proven to be the father of a child had with his former manager. That woman now has hopped on Instagram to say that he is not giving her any child support, which we cannot confirm or deny, sprinkle allegedly all over this conversation. But she is taken to Instagram. She looks a lot like Buckwild. Um, she's taken to Instagram to share a video of Flav's son, Jordan, which is like that would like, and I can say this as a mixed child. That is such a typical like, I've got a black baby dad name for this baby. I'm sorry. Um, no disrespect to Jordans, but let's be honest. So they've she's got this baby propped up in a bunch of Flav merch, which is honestly very nice. It's It looks... Can you... Hold on. Let me... So you can see it. Cool. It's cute stuff. Adorable baby. This baby is beautiful. Oh my God. What a little nugget. I love him. So she's got this baby sitting in a pile of merch being like, he's not giving me any money. I I need, you know, I need to support my child. And I, I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know if she's still in the music industry. It kind of seems like it, but I feel like that kind of work has to be hard given everything that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. 
she's also claiming to be donating a percentage, which is vague, to a children's hospital because they helped me as a kid and are working hard now, even with coronavirus, to help kids. Uh, she's selling the T-shirts for $15, hats for 20 and hoodies for 30 which is not bad. Yeah. I might actually pick some of this shit up. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it would be going to Children's Hospital LA. Uh, yeah. So that's an unfortunate situation for this poor baby to have to deal with. Assuming, I mean, operating under the impression that it's true, you know, allegedly yes. all over it. But, I mean, either way, it's got to be hard that your father doesn't really claim you. I mean, in, in I mean he's a baby. Case, he doesn't it, know any better. No, but yes. And it's also kind of weird that she's using. I mean, like, because people are now accusing her of, like, you know, exploiting the child to, yeah. you know, get merch. And I have complicated feelings about sharing pictures of your kids on social media, like, especially in this kind of context. Mm. But, I mean, it's not really my place to weigh in on the validity of this. Yes. I just wanted to say that the baby is beautiful and this is something that Flav's team is going to have to deal with. Bless up. Now, some other news has emerged that then (laughs) involved us personally. (laughs) It's a very vague intro. So, there are a couple other, you know, VH1-based reality show podcasts out there we love and respect them all one of which was started by two former rock of love contestants heather and Lacey, and it was called talk of love mm-hmm. i'm sure most of you if you're following us i'm sure you've heard about it by now that duo has apparently disbanded and i heard that uh Megan, also from Megan Wants a Millionaire, I yes. Love Money, and of course Rock of Love as well, is in as a temporary co-host, whereas Lacey is now going to be cycling people in and out yeah. as other guests. I mean, it's pretty cool to get different views and like yeah, absolutely. all the different experiences, bringing in different people. Totally. So... The fallout did happen to go to social media a little bit. Uh... We had a plan to talk about it. If you follow us on Twitter at Rewind Love Pod, we, we did have plans to talk about it, but um, we were contacted by some of the involved parties mm-hmm. who asked us very nicely. You know, we had a very nice conversation with this person who politely said, you know, it's it's a dead story. We've all kind of taken most of the stuff related to this issue down. We're trying to move forward. Would you mind, you know, not breathing life into this dead story? And we did not get into podcasting to be mean. We can be a little, I can be a little harsh, yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm, as the shut up and give me murder guys say, I am an asshole, not a scumbag. You know, if somebody wants to come to me woman to woman and be like, hey, the people involved in this drama didn't ask to be roped into it. They didn't sign up to be public figures. I'm comfortable, you know, letting that be what it is. Yeah. You know, I just want to be clear, though, that just because we had this very nice dialogue with this person, that does not mean, you know, that I'm this is I know this sounds a little bit like a a cop-out or a bending-the-knee no. type when, situation. When we get to Rock of Love... Basically, I don't want y'all to gonna think... Nothing's going to be changed. 
I want y'all to be aware because I'm doing this to be, again, like I said earlier, transparent. I'm, we didn't get into podcasting to be assholes. I mean, to be scumbags, at least, you know, to be mean to people. I want to be clear, though, that that these discussions are in no way going to affect our eventual Rock of Love recaps when we're talking about Heather, Lacey, or Megan. Or anyone. Any of them, but in particular because of no, nothing the changes. players yeah. involved in this situation. Nothing's going to change because we're It'll- here to judge their behavior in 2000 and you know, nine, 2010 and 2020 eyes, right through 2020 eyes. We're not 2020 hindsight. We're not here to necessarily judge the way at least women are behaving today. The men can get this work (laughs) like don't don't get it twisted. But, you know, we just want to make it clear that we're going to try from here on out to focus primarily on the way that these people behave in the time that they're on the show. Except for, that, except for that one bitch from Rock of Love who posts Trump stuff all the time. Girl, fuck you. But <laughs> that's a, that's a we'll statement get to it, I guess. I don't. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I just want to be clear that we are not ignoring the issues. We just want to be honest with you all about what's transpired. Yeah. Pretty much nothing's going to change. And we wish the best to everybody involved in of that course. scenario. We have no desire like to pick sides yes. at all. We just. You know, we wish well for every one of these people, with the exception of maybe Flavor Flav. And I don't know, Brett Michaels, I'm reserving judgment, but we'll see. I don't. Yeah, I only I know. know him as a singer. So we'll see how the rewatch goes and if he ever pops up in recent news for anything. Uh, all of that to say, yeah, I, that was not helpful at all. <laughs> no. I think that means that it's time to get into the episode, right? Yes, I think it's about that time. All right, so Charm School, it is the finale, season one, episode 10, titled Getting Fabulous. And we open. PH, fabulous. And Getting, like, Ghetto. Did you notice that? Oh, G H. It's G H E T T I N. Got it. And then fabulous, fabulous, as you said, with a P H. Got it. Yep. And we open this episode with Laylene on Becky's bed where they're talking. Uh, very happy to still be there. Yeah, Laylene is apparently shocked that she's still there because she's the weak one. And Becky's like, well, I thought I was going to stick this out to the end, so can't relate. <laughs> I like her confidence. Yeah, I mean, and I think that she really made a genuine commitment to this program from the beginning. Well, for so $50,000, I-, I would too. No, but I think... <laughs> There were people who were committed to winning $50,000 and there were people who were committed to winning $50,000, but also bettering themselves in the process. And Becky came across to me like one of those people. True. So Becky points out in her talking head that the only ones left are her, Safari, Laylene, and then Shay, who's off by herself. But they're all done with her because of the whole picture incident and what Becky perceives to be sabotage on Shay's part. Listen, not a y'all, it's a sabotage. Becky and Safari are talking in the kitchen about how Becky never saw certain people getting the money. And Shay's like, uh, Safari's like, you mean Shay? What do you mean, you people? And then Becky, of course, is still hung up on that time that she was like, oh, I'm going to go to Monique because, like, I thought I could have done better. And Shay was like, I feel like it's stupid to go to Monique, but you can do whatever you want. I think what's also annoying about this is... 
she's really hung up on Shay for making her feel so bad about the picture incident because Becky's like, I made an ass of myself crying over feeling bad for blaming Shay and Larissa. And then it ended up being them like and they were like laughing about it behind my back. But she's got all this resentment about that. But Safari also turned to Becky in that instance was like, I feel like you're trying to start drama. Yeah. So it's interesting how you pick and choose who makes you feel like shit. I feel like it's also the editing, not necessarily always showing us how close Becky and Safari were. I mean, it's clear that they're very close, but I don't know if somebody who I consider my best friend in a certain situation publicly sides with the people that I'm arguing with like it accuses me of starting drama on top of that like i'm gonna be a little bit resentful of that person too i don't know just the idea that shay is this villain that shay was the one that start stirred up all the drama is she was a little unfair it's all her yeah which is hilarious to me so shay is we get a quick scene of shay sitting by herself in the window literally going out loud i don't need anybody you know i don't i don't need to have friends here i'm okay and it doesn't matter that people don't like me and i'm good enough i'm smart smart enough enough and and gosh darn it it. people apparently hate me there you go because i almost push people off balconies that wasn't even what they hate her for so i know i know that's a perfectly valid reason to hate somebody She says in a talking head that today is a new day and I'm leaving the picture drama behind me. I'm ready to go forward and work my way toward my goal. Monique calls over the loudspeaker that it's time to learn their 10th commandment, which is thou shalt be fully fabulous. Gregorian monk chant, thunderclap, whatever. She says in a talking head that the last commandment is all about bringing together everything that they've learned through the whole process of charm school and it's time for them to get started. This is an interesting format. I thought that this one was going to be dragged out longer because it's four people left, but they do this pretty quickly. Now, nah, this was like, fuck this. We're getting this shit done. Let's go, people. Right. So they all come down to the Grand Hall with their notebooks, and Monique tells them that they're going to be taking a pop quiz. All the questions on the test are related to the Charm School lesson so far, but... Instead of her quizzing them or one of the other deans, they'll be quizzing each other. So when it's their turn to ask a question, they ask it to whoever they want. So it's up to them to decide who gets the hardest questions. The lady who knows the least will be expelled. Becky explains a little bit more about this in a talking head that technically it's the the first person to get three answers wrong is the one who goes home. And it's like rapid fire, like sudden death elimination. They're given one hour to study and they go off on their own way. So obviously Shay is off by herself and Becky and Safari are quizzing each other. Safari says that she's not a good test taker. So she's learned to do some other strategies to make it work for her. So they start working on a rap to get through all the commandments. It does kind of go off the rails. Not that we're in any position to talk about how, you know, they're trying to like make up beats like how the song should sound and it's like oh maybe actually we should be studying after a while becky identifies right away that her biggest competition is shay so what she decides is the two of them safari and becky every time they're given the opportunity to ask a question they're gonna ask shay because the more they direct questions at her the more likely she is to fuck up yes which is solid strategy. Because they believe they could beat Laylene, right? That's the whole thing? Yeah, because Laylene is not capable of retaining a single thing that yeah. she is told. Which is... 
I actually wanted to ask you how you felt about that strategy because I was a little bit torn. Technically, yes, Shay is the better competition and they didn't know what other challenges they'd be up against yeah. moving forward. Shay but and Becky me, are probably the two strongest. But to me, Laylene is not only obviously the easiest to eliminate, but she's also has a pretty solid chance of winning in my opinion because she is the most committed to like learning and bettering herself out of anybody and she's got like a big stake in the game like she's vocalized from the beginning that she's really here to better herself and I feel like that would ultimately work in her favor but in this instance with being down to four people knowing it's the finals and everything you have to get rid of the strongest first if three could take out one you got to do it but strongest, but she's only strongest in terms of her ability to retain and recite this information. Not well, she also, out of all of them, seems to just have the best head on her shoulders. Um, so I feel like they're looking at it as we don't know what any other challenge might be. We need to get rid of her now. This is our only chance. Yeah, I guess because they figure. I guess they ultimately figure whatever the rest of what is being yes. thrown at them, Laylene. Hey, at has least a it's you versus me, and we're happy to go against each other. No, the. Because they're friends, they want. No, to make I mean it to that the makes end. sense. I'm not. The alliance isn't the part that confused me. It was just a matter of who they saw as the bigger competition. I would see Shay as the bigger competition, because if it goes from final exams to another sort of intellectual, I would competition, say no. I would say that Shay against Laylene. To me, Shay is the stronger competitor, but Laylene is the more sympathetic figure in a competition where that's driven by sympathy. But if it's a challenge, Shay is the strongest. You got to get rid of the strongest. Okay, fine. I'll I'll take your word for it. It's I'm... like think of any show you watch, where it's a survivor mentality, where you need to vote someone out or do. This something is why I'd like be bad that. at those kinds of shows. Towards the end, you have to get rid of the strongest, and your alliance goes against each other. Like I know you don't watch. Big well, I know Brother, like the Hunger Games yes. was the thing like that. You team up, you get rid of the strongest, and then you fight it out amongst yourselves. Well, actually, technically, if you're thinking about it in terms of the Hunger Games, which is my only frame of reference for this type of thing, because I don't watch Survivor or The Challenge, and I haven't watched I Love Money in like ten years. If you think about District 1 and District 2, how they teamed up, and then they teamed up with PETA, who they thought was going to be the weakest, because then they could eventually turn on him in the end. Yes. So, okay. Now I understand the strategy a little bit better. This is not really my forte. Laylene is studying by herself in the kitchen, and she's you know starting out with the place settings for a meal, and she says that she has trouble remembering things, so she's obviously worried about the quiz. This, I feel like, is very this tracks for her she did drop out of school again not because we're trying to shame her for thinking that she's stupid it just obvious it comes across as pretty obvious to me that she struggles with some learning disability or disabilities yeah so as somebody who also struggles with them as i clarify every episode so she's stressing out anyway because of who she is as a person but she's trying to make sure that she can be able to answer these questions if given the opportunity the last part about her stressing, trying to cram all the info is done as a voiceover as she's opening up the bottom cabinets, which I guess if this was a regular house where you would have utent like a colander and shit, that's where they're keeping all their liquor. This bitch busts out a fucking handle of gin. Yep. And decides in she's pouring a wine size portion of gin into a wine glass 
And then like Diet Pepsi, like a splash of Diet Pepsi to, you know, make it not fully gin. She's like, every time I get nervous, I try to take a shot and then I'm like, okay, I'm fine. And then she works her way back upstairs and Becky's like, oh, what are you drinking? And she's like, gin. And Becky's like, what? (laughs) It's a terrible strategy. Like, it's not. That's why they invite her because they just feel bad. I don't know if they feel bad, but like. No, it's obvious. Oh. They think she's the weakest for when the time comes. Yeah, Lillian's like, just gin, you know, casually. Like like you do when you study, you know? Gin sucks. Gin, right. I was thinking of all the liquors she could have chosen, too. Why gin? Everyone's got their own, but gin is probably the last on my list. I'd I'd rather drink almost any other liquor. Me too. Like right off the bat. Whiskey, vodka. Tequila. Even tequila is like a rough one for me, personally. Rum. Rum, definitely. Rum and, rum and Cokes all day. But gin. Yeah, gin, definitely my last choice. Becky and Safari decide to let Laylene in on their plan. To And Laylene's like, oh, so you're trying to gang up on her? Very observant, babe. Becky then frames it to her by being like, if you also do this, if you join in in this alliance, we're more likely to take Shay out because it's going to be three of us asking her questions. And the more questions volleyed at her, she's more likely to fuck up three of them quicker than any of us would. Laylene says that she was honored, you know, to have Becky and Safari offer her to be in their alliance. And, you know, she believes that Shay is also strong competition. So if she can beat Shay, she can probably make it to the end. Mm-hmm. So their hours complete and Monique calls them down to the grand hall. Shay says in a talking head that none of the girls are talking to them because Safari doesn't want them to. And they're all her little puppets. And she hates that it has to be this way, but she's willing to go at it alone if that's what it takes. So they have the grand hall set up with four podiums next to each other with three little placards in front of them. And then Monique is across from them at her own podium. Every time they get something wrong, they're going to have to knock it down one of the ways. So Monique reminds us and them of the rules. Laylene goes first. And she's like, oh, I was so excited that I could prove to Becky and Safari that I'm with them. Sure. Laylene asks Shay first, uh, when making toast, when making a toast, what part of the wine glass should you hold? <laughs> when making toast. I was like, what does toast have to do with which this? Which end oh, of the right. butter should you cut? Yeah. So which side of the wine glass should a person hold? And Shay answers correctly and says the stem. This was a hard question. I was, I mean, granted, we didn't have the same, all the same information that they had. But Shay is the next one to ask a question and ask Laylene, what percent do you mark up the cost of goods for a wholesale price? Did you know this off the top of your head? No. I mean, you you were in college a long time ago. So Laylene starts doing this math. She's like the best person to ask this kind of question to. Because she's standing there like the cost of goods times three equals the wholesale times two. No, wait, that's the retail price. And the way she starts it off is she pretty much answered her own question right off the bat. She's like 300 wholesale. Right there you go. Oh, three times. Yeah. And oh, then she continues doing all this other math. Yeah. So basically, basically yeah, you're right. I, I could have swore the way she words it in the beginning. She goes... It's pretty much as you were saying. She says something 
with wholesale. She keeps going, it would be two times, but I don't know the percent. So you're right. She basically does have the answer. No. No, that I'm saying the answer that whatever the, the whatever very, the wholesale. Hold on. Yes. It's the very first thing she says. She goes like retail wholesale. Cost of goods times three. So that means like 300%. Yes. Yeah, I and know. And then she keeps confusing herself with other math. It goes, well, it's two, but I don't know. Because she's not thinking of the cost of goods as the baseline. Like she doesn't think of the baseline one as 100%. Yeah. So that was where the mistake is. So she's like, I don't know. It'd be. Like two times, but I don't know the percentage. And obviously it was, Three. obviously now that we've explained it, it's 300%. I also thought it was funny that Laylene was like, which way does the thing go down? It turns out that they it goes, well, it could go either way. But like Laylene's like, which way do I have to push it down? They just have to make her look more dumb. Yeah. Any, anything to give Laylene the dummy edit. Safari's turn to ask questions now. She says, name all three steps of Mickey's fashion lessons to Shay, obviously. Shay says, make sure you're consistent from head to toe. Make sure your makeup is correct and make sure you're going to wear something that's going to represent you. That is wrong. The answer is find your inspiration, put it all together and be distinctive. So technically she got the last one. Kind of. But then she also kind of got the first one. I mean, she gave three decent answers. She gave for three not decent answers, knowing, yeah. but like she should have known. Like, and they were also pretty easy. Like, and that was in your notes pretty clearly. That's something I would have focused on. But I'm not the best studier either. It's Becky's turn to ask a question. She obviously asked Shay. The question is: There are two sides in a debate. Which side is for, and which side is against? Shay then at this point is like, huh, I think they're ganging up on me. Well, Shay's, I think that's also just editing. I mean, some of that is editing, but like it also kind of registers on her face a little bit now mm-hmm. that they've had one full round of everybody ganging up on her. She says she doesn't know, which again is something very easy that should have been readily studied in your notes. She says the uh, Monique tells them that the affirmative is for the topic. The negative is against. Monique reminds her at this point that because she got two questions wrong, that she's expelled if she gets the next one wrong. And Shay already is like doing that thing where she's looking up, trying not to cry. Then we get like a blurred together segment of them asking Shay a bunch of questions, which she gets right. I wish they showed more of this. I mean, obviously they hit her with a montage and she's answering a lot. And I was like, she had to have gotten to ask some questions within all this. She did, but... And I would, if I'm her, like, just attack Laylene the whole time. But I guess that means Laylene got some questions right. Or maybe she didn't think that strategy through and was trying to, and was kind Spread of thinking. It. Yeah, or she was trying to catch the other two off guard. You can't, though. The first person out is out. You just always go at Laylene being that she's, like, not I mean, that is a, the I mean, that is a smart strategy, but not everybody thinks in terms of strategy, as I just evidenced earlier by not being sure which one was the of the two of them would be a better one to eliminate Mm. off the bat. Despite the fact that she is now fully aware of this strategy and realizes that she's fucked, uh, she refuses to give up and Shay and Safari is in a talking head like, fuck, like she's getting a lot of these right. Like just go down, bitch. Like Mm -hmm. the question that ultimately trips Shay up is if your first course is frog legs, which fork do you use? Shay, you can tell, is like doing the logic in her head where she's like, all right, that's the salad fork. This is the dinner fork. And then 
has to choose between those when in actuality they show a flashback and you eat frog's legs with your hands. I've never eaten frog's legs. Nope. Don't wonder, plan on it either. Why? I just don't want to. I just want to try it once. Let the frogs hop along and live their lives. I just want to try it once. I'm just intrigued. I, I'll i try most things once when it comes to food. <laughs> that sounded funny. I had to clarify. So Shay puts her symbol down and just immediately goes up to Monique with her pledge pin. Safari's laughing in the talking head, being like, ha ha, bitch, you lose. You get no clock. Monique says to Shay, because Shay is very visibly upset, that you're only going home right now because you got three questions wrong. Don't leave disappointed or down on yourself. You really made an effort and I wish you well. So they give each other a big hug and Shay says thank you. And Shay is full on sobbing in her exit interview. And she's like, you know, it hurts that they set me up like that. And like, I can't believe I was betrayed by my friend Becky. And I really wanted to win and whatever. So she heads upstairs to pack fully crying, whatever. Monique tells the remaining ladies that they're down to the wire now and it's time for another test. Monique says in a talking head that it's time to put pressure on, put the pressure on because she needs to find out who actually has their heart in charm school and who's just fucking around for the $50,000. Mm-hmm. Each one of them is required to write a speech about their dream and how winning charm school and the $50,000 will help them achieve it. Again, they have one hour to prepare. Safari is pressed because she's like, fuck, like we just finished that quiz and studying. Like now we have to turn around and write an essay on top of it. Yes. That does suck. I'm I'm not envious of that situation. Do you think it's actually an hour? Because remember, uh, oh, shit. What do we Was it a flavor of love thing? Was it Riley that said that the time? Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Riley on Snapback on the Snapback yes. to Reality episode about. What was the show that all of this was based on? Surreal Life. Surreal Life. On the Surreal Life episode, she's like, is it actually an hour? Which Because they kept showing the different clock times. Good question. We may just be that naive. Then they cut to Shay, who is at this point changed out of her uniform, and she's like dragging her luggage very sadly down the stairs and like loudly crying on top of it. Hmm? And Monique comes out of her office and she's like, you know, come back here, come back here. So at first they're sitting on the stairs and she's like, I just wanted a chance to win. And so then Monique is like, listen, let's just come into my office and talk. And as Monique is closing the door, we hear her say to Shay, I'm going to need your help. Bum, bum, bum. So we see the ladies working and Lilene in a talking head is like, this is going to be hard for me because I have a hard time with this kind of assignment. And my thoughts were racing faster than I could write them down. So Such she's, a Lailene moment. It's right? Like, just a very on-brand. Like, of course all of these things are challenging yes. for you. Just, of course. Goes without saying, I promise you. She's sitting on the balcony, and then, like, Becky comes out to talk to her about how they're doing, ultimately. And Becky says, oh, I haven't started yet, but, like, oh, I know once I start, it'll all come out. I can say that because I literally only know how to write under pressure i don't think that that is an across the board rule i mean if becky knows herself well enough maybe that's how she actually produces things that's another reason great her thing didn't end up being that great it didn't matter i thought it was decent but i also feel like the hour is bullshit because there's no way she goes outside like 
we don't know how long it's been. Maybe it's been 20 minutes to be like, oh, it'll just come to me. Like, to write all that and then change it to your uniform and all that shit within, like... Yeah, they did all change out of their clothes. That's a good point. They were just chilling. That's why I think the hour is complete bullshit. Mm. It, it, so maybe they have an hour to write, but then they're also given buffer time to change yeah. and all Get that stuff. Get their hair and makeup like, done. Like, the actual the writing that has to be team. done yeah. is done in an hour. Yeah. So it's, like, it's knives like, down. You have a Hands up, right knives now. down... Like, Was and then they can show? just, yeah, oh. and they can go in between and they can eat and they can, yeah, like, whatever, they just time. don't, yeah. Has to be. Somebody then calls them down to the Grand Hall. Safari again is like, I don't really have a speech. And Becky's like, Becky actually makes a good point here, which is she thinks this is going to be a great opportunity to show people who they all really are. Mm-hmm. I meant to bring this up earlier, but it still really bothers me so much that they never brought in a life coach. Well, isn't that what Mickey and Keith are for? No. They're supposed to be. It's it's a very. This is like an elaborate Pygmalion, uh, My Fair Lady type experiment, as opposed to being like, obviously, you are this way because of shit that has happened to you. Let's unpack that and develop strategies of how to move forward Mm -hmm. instead this is like you're trash we're going to package you better and make assholes of you in the progress in the process make you look poor and uncultured and stupid and slutty because that's what our audience comes to expect but like at the end we're going to give you this opportunity to vouch for yourself and explain get to the bottom of this Because what we, not to spoil too much ahead of what goes on, but what we learned specifically about Safari is stuff that really contextualizes who she is and why she has behaved the way that she behaved. Well, we're going to do those right now, aren't we? We are, but I just, it just really frustrates me that it took offhand kind of comments Granted, Monique is the only one that seems to be able to be like, hey, we really like got to the bottom of something here. But the show's purpose is not to humanize these women. It's to... No, make them look embarrassing. It's just right. Like, it's a different kind of humiliation. Yeah. Which I still have love for this show. Don't get me wrong. It's just applying my 2020 hindsight, no pun intended, to what we ultimately get as a result of editors just wanting to shit on these women some more. Monique says it's time for their presentations, but before they get started, she's brought in someone special to help them with their speeches. Now, Safari, as close as we could get to uh, iconic lines of the week this week, we didn't really have too many, and these are funny, but not like that level to me, especially considering what we had last week Mm -hmm. to compare to. Yes. This cracked me up because Safari goes, I'm thinking, who could it be? Bill Clinton? Which the ladies have made kind of conjectures like that before. Like, I wonder what kind of celebrities are going to be brought in. So I was like, Bill Clinton? Why the fuck would Bill Clinton be on this show? Besides the fact that at the point of this show being on, he was the closest thing many black people considered to be a a black president. That's how low (laughs) the bar was. That's how low the fucking bar was in 2007, everybody, in case you forgot. But she follows it up with Bill Clinton. He likes schoolgirls. So it's like, touche. Touche. Monique goes on and says, you know, as you make your way to the top, be mindful of how you treat people. 
So they make this big dramatic reveal and who's coming through the back door but Shay, mm-hmm. who is now like transformed in this white suit. It kind of reminded me, this is a little bit of a reach, but... <laughs> I'm excited to hear this now. It kind of reminded me of like in Beauty and the Beast when the old lady comes to the door and the prince like turns her away and then she comes back and she's like this angel fairy person whatever the fuck like witch type of thing and it's like look what you like i've made this glamorous transformation just to prove that you treated me terribly and that's what i feel like they did on a very lower scale to shay in this moment because they put her in this like white i wouldn't call it a suit but it's a blazer and somewhat matching pants and like a brown you know sparkly like top underneath just this like transformation to be like you hard you wronged her and now she's put in charge of your fate you know she gets to exact revenge my question is do you think that this was an on-the-fly decision do you think that they did this in response to the fact that they all turned on shay do you think that no matter who was in fourth place there you go you think that that's true no matter Mm -hmm. who it was would have Mm -hmm. come back yep i guess that makes i mean i'm not i don't have an opinion either way because they knew it wasn't necessarily gonna be a it could have been i guess it just not on the fly where they're like oh shit monique get out there and tell her i feel like it was more so of like maybe the second the producers heard hey they're teaming up they went to monique and said that's what i'm saying that's what i meant like on the fly I thought they, no, what I meant by do you think they had it planned in advance was like, do you think they had it planned in, when they were mapping out the When they said, hey, we have the, the final four are going to have a Regardless trivia. of who the fourth person is. Yeah. When they're, they're like, the when they're mapping out the format of eliminations yeah. in general and like the format of the show. I still show. think they were going to do it that way. What? What is that? Which which way? I think when they were mapping out and they said, all right, the final four are going to have a trivia contest. After that, when they said when it's the final three, I believe they had it written down. I think saying we're going to have to. But the fact uh, that they all the ganged judge. up against her was so good. It just helps. It helps oh, the story. But you know what? Now I'm thinking because at first I was like, wow, that like worked out narratively really well. They kind of lucked out. And then I'm like. For all we know, they got into Becky and Safari's ear and was like, okay, we need you two to gang up against somebody. Yeah. It doesn't matter who, but whoever that person is, is probably going to get eliminated. And then we just, and from there, they put that person. Mm-hmm. Damn. Really popping a lot of bubbles today. <laughs> Little bit of the bubbly. <sighs> I had to get something in at some point. There's a chair next to Monique and Shay sits in the chair. Monique says in a talking head that this was her way of saying to them, like, you have to be very careful, like, who you fuck with in your process. And this is me paraphrasing. But, like, who you take advantage of as you work your way to the top because that person could end up being the person who makes decisions about you at some point. Yep. Safari is like, oh, fuck. Like, (laughs) I might as well pack my bags now because I spent so much time villainizing this girl very clearly to her face. And now she's probably going to want to exact revenge on me. So Monique makes a point to say to Shay, you know, do you understand that, like, the gravity of what you're doing? How important your decision is to these women? And Shay's like, 
Mm-hmm, yes, I do. But then at a talking head, she she loves to do this. Be very tough in a talking head. She says, it's payback time, so these hoes better watch out. I mean, it's all like, what is it, like, post-competition But also, produced? I think that she probably went into this thinking, like, how good could they really do? You know, well, like, see, that's my it would question. be a lot easier to be strategic. And I think that if she was a different kind of person, it would have been more strategic. Like, if Larissa was put in this context, or maybe Brooke, it would have all come down to who I hate the least but i also feel like when she does that little talking head side interview that's after the entire competition's well, already yeah, completely done and they're telling no. her like yo act tough here or how are you feeling or yeah obviously but that's a given that's a that's standard practice across all reality tv yeah. what i'm saying is i feel like regardless shay would actually genuinely went into this thinking to herself i'm going to take down Someone. one of these women who mm. I hate the most and yeah. then the results just didn't work out that way and I can't speak to Shay now because as we've mentioned a bajillion times we don't watch her on whichever love and hip-hop she's on at the moment but this to me seemed very genuine like you can see I've brought this up before but you can see hints of her being like a decent person who just likes to get involved in mess. Yeah. Throughout. It, well, also kind of has to get involved in mess. Has to, but like it's the only way the to stay extent, on the show. Yeah, but that's the why it's like, oh, it's, we'll hide this picture, but I'm not going to be completely involved. But, I'm going to be somewhat, so I'll stay here. But that's so much more nuanced because that's saying that like wanting to be on the show at the expense of your personal values isn't a choice at a certain point. Mm. Because if being on television is more important than being a decent human being, and you make a conscious choice, you're put in positions where yeah. you're like, Gotta pay I'd rather be right. I'd rather be on this show for longer than, I don't know, try to get a, another job or yes. something, fade into obscurity, then, you know, that is a a certain degree of reflection on you as a person as well. But I think that if I had to compare her and Larissa, she certainly seems more good hearted. But the fact that she has maintained a presence on reality TV through mess makes me feel like you're, it's, it's more, there's more layers to it than just that. You know? It's true. Don't forget, this is an audio medium. People cannot That's, see you. We're not, we don't have fancy Lacey and Heather money where people can see us. I agreed. And I was going to say cakes have layers, but then I know I was going to get a sign. <sighs> there it is. What about Parfait? I'm a donkey. Okay. That was a terrible impression. Yes, it was. A tr- Look at any Murphy impression. Isn't even that hard to do. Yes. Prove it. No. See? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Lilith is the first one to be called up and she walks up smiling. And then you, I would ask if you saw this, but you probably didn't. If you're listening at home and actually pay attention to what you're watching, you'll see that Lilith like walks up smiling and Shay does this very subtle head nod, though. I did not head see nod, the head nod. I don't know. I just noticed it very quickly. So I'm going to try to expedite these descriptions because we've already been recording for long enough and I've read enough today. But she says that her dream in life is simple. With the $50,000, she'll give her children opportunities in education. She says that 
when she showed up to charm school, she was scared and wanted to run back to the school bus and go home. We get a flashback in the middle of this of Keith being like, I think you're comfortable being a loser and you jeopardized your entire team because of it. You're a loser, Uncle Tony. A loser with a skinny wiener. From the beginning of the competition, I thought that I had to prove myself to others and compete with them when I found out that I had more to prove to myself and that I was competing with myself. So then we get a flashback to the grilled cheese incident where she's crying and she's like, I don't think that it's too late to change. And Monique's like, okay, like, just deal with it. Grow up. Stop crying. She goes on to say she's learned to deal with people in less than perfect situations, to make strong decisions, to accept and love myself, and to not settle for anything less. I've discarded my past, even burning my old name. I've come out stronger, newer, self-improved version of myself. So then we get a flashback of her walking the runway in the fashion challenge, but that was partially based on old Laylene. So not really the best framing for that example. So she wraps up with, let me form- formally reintroduce myself to you. My name is Laylene. I am a strong, loving, intelligent woman. And gosh darn it, people like me. Yes. Although I'm not going to shit on her. I thought she did a great job. The lessons, the breakthroughs, and the experience that I've learned in charm school will keep forever. I will keep forever and apply in my life are priceless. I deserve the opportunity to fulfill my dreams. I deserve success. I deserve happiness. I deserve to make my children's life happier and easier. Thank you. She also reminds me, because I have, I don't know why I keep thinking that she's Canadian. Hmm. I have it in my head for some reason that she's Canadian. She's very nice. Which reminds me of one of, I don't know, but she says certain things that are like turns of phrase that don't sound particularly American. Mm. But I don't know. I just realized at this point that she reminds me of one of my favorite affirmation podcasters who's also a Canadian Asian woman. There you go. And like her voice sounded very similar in this moment. I love affirmation pod. Highly recommend. Shout out to Josie Ong. I love you. Saved me. Monique looks very proud and Shay looks very impressed. Laylene says in a talking head that she realized that she's done. She's completed all the lessons and this feels like a full circle moment for her. You know, this speech is the finishing touch. Up next is Becky. She's like, well, fuck, because she and Shay have had the most directly adversarial relationship. Well, because they were all friends. of them. Yeah, they had like an actual falling out. The way Shay made it sound, it was Shay and Sapphire who had it the worst. Well, I think that she saw Safari as the biggest threat because she considered the other two like puppets. Yeah. So Becky starts by saying, coming to charm school, I had no idea what was in store for me. So then we get a flashback to Monique at the renaming ceremony saying she doesn't know if Becky wants to be a black girl or a white girl. And Becky going, I love Buck. I love being Buck Wild. I can't help it. She goes on to say it was an incredible opportunity to learn the most productive ways to accomplish my goals. After completing each lesson, win or lose, I gained a tremendous sense of value in myself and a true admiration and respect for those around me, both teachers and competitors. Just like, did you? Little too proper. 
reaching. Yeah, we got a f- quick flashback of Monique saying when she was Becky was crying at Monique's birthday party, and she's like, "It's okay to say I messed up." Blah blah blah. To be completely honest, I was not mentally or emotionally equipped for being in charm school when I arrived. I would not be where I am today without the encouragement, knowledge, and friendship I've gained by knowing Safari. So we got a flashback to the elimination following the thrift store challenge where Monique is giving them props for giving away so much of what they had. Becky references that exact challenge and says, you know, we were taught a lesson, now shalt pay it back. And seeing my partner give away everything she had inspired me and I want to be able to pay her back for what she's given to me. So if I win the $50,000, half of that would go to Safari, which is like really nice. And it's on TV, so you have to stick to your word, too. I believe that she was but serious. they did seem to become very, very, very good friends at all this. Plus, she knows Safari's story I better than anyone else. also get the sense, and again, Californians, you can contextualize this for me a little bit better, but the gist I'm getting is that Becky is relatively middle class. Yeah. So it seemed. Like, maybe better than, not necessarily wealthy, but it's she seems pretty solidly, at the very least, middle class. Mm-hmm. And can't be much older than, like, 24, 25. So uh, there's a very good chance that she has enough money to fall back on. Or family or something. Not like she's, you know, a a trust fund baby by any stretch of the imagination. But that she does what, like, her family could support her and she could rely on them for support if needed. I don't mean to speculate. I I don't know any more than anything else. But, of course, Safari at this point is like, then fuck yeah. Like, I hope you don't. I was already hoping you didn't get eliminated. But now, you know, (laughs) Becky wraps up by saying, I also learned in charm school that you have to value yourself and be the best you can be. I truly feel like we are all winners in our own lives by making it this far. Woo! And a piece for Gretchen Wieners. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And a piece for Regina George. Multiple mean girls in an episode. (laughs) That's my life. That is my office. Becky then says in a talking head as she wraps up that her speech was definitely from the heart and definitely truthful and similar to Laylene says she feels like she already graduated charm Mm. school. Safari is the final one to give a speech and she's a little pressed about it because she didn't really get a chance to prepare anything, which, as we've learned, can go one of two ways. Yeah. So she comes up and she's like ruffling some papers in her notebook and she's like, you know, I sat down and then I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I just really couldn't think of anything to write. She says in a talking head very quickly, she's like, I opened up my book and everything was just mumbo jumbo. So I just closed it and figured I'd just say what I had to say. Go for it. Top of the dome. Yeah. All the way to the beginning, people look at you and they say, oh, this little ghetto girl right here. She don't have any class or anything like that. And then we get a flashback to her screaming at Dara and 54th and Crenshaw, all that jazz. But in order to know me, you have to know me. And straight out says, I don't have a home. So Monique kind of cocks her head. And it looked like Shay was like half surprised, but also kind of aware. Like it, it sort of registered, she it. but not the same level that it registered with Monique. Yeah. I mean, they spent more time together 
in their off yeah. time than Monique's. Monique's just there them. for the challenges and like the go homes. Right. The go homes. The eliminations, yes. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad way to say it. the go homes. Safari continues and says, when you do anything in this world, you need a foundation, you know, a solid foundation that you can stand on to build anything. And we get a quick flashback again to when she was having that sit down in Monique's office and saying that she had experienced times in her life where she had lost everything. To me, $50,000 means a home. It means a place where I'll go inside and don't have to worry about because I'm not sleeping at somebody's place that I have to get kicked out from. And at this point, her voice starts to break and she's clearly crying and it's a place where I could go inside and I could put something down and I don't have to worry about somebody coming back and picking it up and taking it away. Again, we get a flashback to the thrift store, post-thrift store freak out where she's giving away the Ugg boots and Keith's like, oh, guess that really meant something to you. She's such a dick. She then turns to Shay and she's like, that's why I was so hard on you. I've lived in places where people have just taken your things and you know you have you ever experienced you know you come home from wherever you are you worked hard to get this thing that you have and somebody just took it like it's painful and she's crying at this point and she's like I want you guys to know that if I win charm school like that'll mean everything to me and at this point Shay even fully oh cried. she's yeah she's Shay like a is like faucet. yeah mm-hmm. So Safari says in a quick talking head that she sees that Shay is crying and like kind of hoping that she feels remorse about it and all the things that she did. Safari says $50,000 to some people is not a lot of money. To me, it means a home. Even Monique at this point is completely overwhelmed with emotion. Mm -hmm. I wasn't crying because I feel like I kind of remembered this, but it certainly definitely was very deeply touching. This part is touching. The part that really got me. Well, I'll wait. But I think that this is the part, too, that really this is at a I know I've been saying it the whole season. I even said it earlier in this episode, but this was the moment that really highlighted for me how this show these shows really do people dirty and don't let you see the kind of person that they are. Yeah, where they come from, why they're here. And I've said before on this show that I remember being a teenager and watching this, and this was my first real aha moment where it was like people have stories, and they're more than just who you see on TV as like characters and caricatures of certain types of people. This just showed, you know... This was that Pandora's box opening of people are doing this because they're looking for something. And it's even wanting fame is sometimes more complex than just being fame hungry. Like, I don't think people give people enough credit across reality television. I mean, I think that it's something I still struggle with. That I think you need to look at these people, regardless of the reality show, and being like, Obviously, something is missing here if you've if you have to turn to this sort of behavior to get attention. I mean, some are just fame hungry. They could have a fine but life. They just no. But do that's it what I'm saying. No, I don't think that that's true. I think that that's not. That's a very some. one. No, I think that that's a very one dimensional view of human beings in general. 
I don't think there's one right, so single. So a, f- a few? No, like so I don't zero, think anybody. Zero people. Ever I think do this everybody just has fame. their motivation. I think that, like, no, I think that people are doing it just for fame. But I feel like that's the that's not addressing the subconscious reason for why they feel the need to be fame hungry. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a psychology person, but I we're talking about Freud, and there's the ego and the super ego. And the id. And I remember from psychology class there was an iceberg. And I don't remember how to label the model. But whichever one is the part underneath the water. That is what I think the root of all these issues is. All right. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just feel like saying, oh, that person's fame hungry is not giving it. It's, It's dismissive of something deeper at hand which is why i love reality tv i say all of this is because i am a fan and connoisseur of reality television who is interested in it because it reflects human nature unless it's terribly scripted right but even that to some degree reflects human nature you know it's it reflects what it says about us and what we're interested in seeing in terms of interpersonal dynamics i know this is why everybody tuned in like this deep analysis of sociology and whatever the fuck. That's fine. I just forget how to say words. It's all good. The way they make this transition just how is just as awkward as how I'm making this transition right now. So they go <laughs> from like very sad, sappy music to on a dime, like suspenseful. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, <laughs> like, decision time. Jarring. Get those feelings away. It was like wipe, Monique like wipes a tear and then suddenly it's like dun, 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 dun. It's very intense. So each of the ladies do talking heads about how nervous they all are. Monique does one herself and says she wants all of them to win because all of their stories are so compelling. But unfortunately, somebody has to go home. Has to be a loser. Somebody has to be a loser. So Monique says to all the ladies, you know, I've heard the best give speeches and I've never heard anybody give them so passionately and says that all of their speeches were absolutely beautiful. She turns to Shay and says, all right, I need you to tell me which of these two ladies you think should move on. So Shay says to Laylene, I like the fact that you put yourself as a priority because by saying that in order to take care of your kids, you have to be together yourself. And Shay says she thinks that was really awesome, which reminds me of a little tidbit I'd like to give those of you who are feeling sad and overwhelmed right now because I'm fully ADHD brain and that's fine and I'm embracing it. I like to compare it to being on an airplane and they tell you when the masks fall put on your own mask first before you help somebody else that i feel like is true throughout any sort of crisis and trauma in life you have to take care of yourself for you to be your best self to help somebody else yeah fuck them kids don't (laughs) jesus no i understand what you're saying just something to take with you into your week you always have to worry about yourself first but not in the much. end it's how you end up affecting others you don't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else can i get an amen up in here yeah fuck them kids that's you don't watch amen. enough drag race we no, watched we actually watched the most recent season snatch game because that's mike watches two things on drag race the snatch game and the reading is fundamental library is open the reading one's kind of funny 
They have pr- some pretty clever disses. Some of them suck, but it's the same as Snatch yeah. Game. Just like some of them do life. pretty good impressions and little funny things. Others are absolutely horrific, and you wonder how did they get here. Shay says to Becky, "God, we're we're really off the fucking rails." Great transition. I'm sorry, everybody. She says to Becky that Becky's willing to give back, and the fact that she's giving half to Safari, like even you know, as much as I would have wanted to help Safari, like half is a big commitment, and she was truly amazed by that. Safari, last but not least, she says that she feels like Safari touched her the most because she really spoke from the heart and she starts like really like she was already crying, but she's like really losing it now because she's like, now I understand why you feel the way that you felt towards me about the whole situation Mm -hmm. with the picture and all that. And I she says that she can't take it back and she gets really choked up and can't really say anything and Safari without missing a beat just like walks down and gives her like a huge hug that really warmed my heart play the emotions don't make it like no, play I know. No. the emotions it was, a, it was a legitimate hug it was very nice it was a good moment yeah so Safari says in a talking head that Shay let me know that she is human <laughs> I was like damn Shay apologizes and Safari forgives her and that was a nice little nice little moment so Shay says in a talking head as she's like sobbing in her talking head that all the speeches were beautiful and it was really, really tough for her make, to make a decision. So her first choice for who should move forward is Safari. I think that's a unanimous vote. Yes. Like if you were to ask anybody. You, know. you knew it was coming. Shay says in a talking head that the fact that she really just wanted the $50,000 for a home is what truly moved her to tears and... She's like, there's there's no way I couldn't I couldn't say I could not move her forward. Like it would just be cruel, like and unfair for me not to. So she's really hesitating before naming the second person. In her defense, like I don't blame her. This is a very hard this would be a very hard decision to make if you have like a modicum yeah. of like decency. She's she looks on her face very torn, very emotional, and Monique says in this moment, she takes a moment to reflect on how Shay is struggling with this and says this really speaks volumes about how Shay has changed as a person Mm -hmm. that she's having such a hard time and not letting petty differences get in the way of who she thinks deserves to move forward so that ultimately motivates Monique to be the one to make the final decision so Monique clarifies that she would also pick Safari because who wouldn't first says to Laylene, when you came down here you know you spoke with such a confidence and like I haven't seen that from you before and then she turns to Becky and says sister friend until we meet again may I please have your pin <laughs> she has a soft spot for Becky that I'm kind of surprised by they just got Becky's funny she's like a nice girl I guess yeah because that's the thing is like Becky as much as the whole buck wild thing can be a little bit grating she seems to have a good heart. Yeah, like she seems really nice. Even when her and Sapphire were coming up with the rap thing, they were just like talking back and forth. And... That she like doesn't, she means very well. Yeah. When that's, she doesn't That's really force... the best way to describe her is that she means very yeah. well. Like when she doesn't force the Buck Wild shit out, like I don't know if it's being a personality or trying to get that over, doing whatever she needs to. Like when things organically come out, when she jokes and says things, it's like, oh, okay. So she does actually seem like a nice person. 
Yeah, I was actually on her Insta- Instagram again, just looking things over prior to the show, just seeing what she's up to. I really like her still. Like, she, I still, I, she doesn't have any videos where she speaks, so I can't get to the bottom of if she's maintained the black scent or not. But her posts are honest. Like, she put up two videos in the last, I don't know, couple months that are, like, inspirational videos. One was, like, a Tracy Morgan clip, and one was somebody else. And honestly, I saved both of those videos because they were such good advice about being patient with yourself and with other people and how life is a learning process and just different things like because a lot of these people rely on like very cliche types of quotes but like this I don't know that stuff really spoke to me that she shared so I feel like that speaks volumes about who Becky was and is today nice follow follow her on Instagram if you can if I could recommend you follow any of these people assuming you already follow New York but you know like any of these other people beyond that I highly outside recommend the obvious outside the obvious one that you should be following anyway I highly recommend Becky she doesn't post often but when she posts it's pretty good or funny like that last one you showed me where it was like send nudes and it was noodles noodles yeah yeah it's cute Becky says in her talking head that she thinks Laylene and Safari both need that money a lot more than she does and she doesn't want to take it away from either of them so she basically got what she came here for anyway so she's satisfied with the outcome damn i was about to do the hamilton <laughs> never be satisfied but then i was like well how do i say it no. becky, becky is satisfied <laughs> becky thanks monique and monique's like oh it was such a pleasure to meet you and they even becky and shay here share like a very friendly hug they were friends nice. no i no, but it's it was nice to see that again they didn't let that pettiness it was like the energy that came from that hug radiated through the screen of just like a come here like let's hug it out bitch you know like hug it out bitch right right michael scott no it was that was originally in entourage and that's where michael scott that's got where it he from. gets it from. well i'll always reference the office over entourage you basically you literally did you literally did the version of not you miss 99 percent of you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take wayne gretzky michael scott you just did a version of that you you took somebody else's quote and attributed it to To michael scott (laughs) to a michael scott quote Becky lets us know in a talking head that Buckwild has not disappeared. She did not burn in the fire when the name tag went away, but she did learn to like herself a lot more being here, which is that's what made me want to check her Instagram to see if she still does the black scent because that kind of fell into that. You start to realize that Buckwild, as we knew her originally, was very much like an over the top thing that we learned with time is actually kind of like a shield mm-hmm. it seems. from being her real self that, you know, just being confident and being herself and not having to rely on that over the top bullshit. Mo says in a talking head that she thinks Becky is going to be cool with being Becky. She doesn't have to be buck wild to fit in. You know, I believe Becky got comfortable in her skin, which then made me laugh. It's like she got comfortable finally being a white person. Oh God. <laughs> like her skin. literally like the color get it everybody (laughs) obviously becky and safari have like a huge hug and then 
Becky and Laylene hug and everybody's wiping tears away now. It's like a whole big to do. So Monique says to Shay, I know it was really hard for you to make that decision and you were so fair and they hug and Shay says, I'm happy Monique convinced me to come back and be the judge because I made mistakes in charm school, but I've also learned a lot and being the judge got to show that I don't hold grudges and that I'm still a loving person. So at least I can walk out of the door now actually proud of myself. I assume despite not winning. She then leaves out of the back door again, which I'm like, you could have left out the front door that time. Are no, you a vampire? She's a guest now. Oh. <laughs> Why does that mean she has to go through the back door? That's where she came in. She's a vampire? She can only come out the door yeah. that she's been invited into? Like adult video. The what? entrance. What is that? For? Romantic Depot. What? The, the, uh, the commercial they have. The entrance <laughs> is always in the rear. Oh, Jesus. Monique tells them that she's very proud of them and tomorrow Mickey and Keith are going to be taking them for makeovers and they will ultimately help Monique decide who is going to get the $50,000. So the next morning and the ladies are up bright and early for their makeovers. They do them separately in the same way they do them on like Flavor of Love, I Love New York finales. Safari leaves first in her in that same like three quarter sleeve shirt and jeans that we see her in all the time but in fairness you know we we know that she gave her stuff away so it makes sense Laylene comes out giving us fucking Anne Hathaway and get smart realness right. she's like literally she's got this long white coat like and these sunglasses and her hair is all flowing and I'm like ma'am what where did this come from like what are you doing she's ready to look sophisticated and go out on the town but she had that with her the whole time oh she may not have because she got the shopping spree very true so maybe Mm. that came from forever 21 jesus so they both go to get dresses first so safari arrives at abs by alan schwartz which is now apparently just alan schwartz i googled it in general it's fancy expensive kind of stuff a couple hundred dollars for tops and all that jazz but then when i googled them fuck my google now i told you (laughs) when i looked them up the only the interestingly was the ad that came up in the Google in the G-O-O-G-L-E search was their Lane Bryant collection, which I clicked through and was like, oh, cool. They have a plus size line. But then there was nothing on the Lane Bryant site. So basically, Alan Schwartz e-com team, if you're listening, you're wasting money on Google ads or Lane Bryant team. You're wasting money on Google ads. And that was social media manager corner. I am so off the rails today, everybody. I am so sorry. This is like extra bad for me. I don't know. My brain has just had it with being inside. I need to talk to other people, I think. <laughs> I, just, I think I need to speak to other human beings. That's the key. Sorry. So when they arrive, or when... Well, actually, both of them, obviously, but separately, because that is a sentence that makes sense. Keith is already there waiting, and they hug, and he's like, hi, it's so nice to see you, like, over-the-top nice. And Safari goes, he must have took some extra breakfast today because he's being real nice. He knows this is finally over. Oh, thank God. I don't have to think about him ever again. They 
try on a couple different things throughout the store. Keith helps her with a couple suggestions about like what colors work for her. Safari says in a talking head that she's not used to going to a store and having people help me. She's used to going to the store and having people follow her around because they're trying to make sure she hasn't stolen. She comes out in a low cut red dress with these black accents on them and it's it's jarring. It's a lot of tit. Everything she puts on is a lot of tit. I mean, she has a lot of tit. It's boobs. A lot of boobage. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. This was like annoying where he was just being very weirdly critical. And he's like, we're going to need to tape those down. They try out a couple more dresses. And Keith is like so focused on the fact that her boobs are making things challenging. But it's tough for those of us out there. This is what I would have made the iconic line of the week, but it's not as funny with the bleep in it. So I'm just going to read it to you guys. Sorry that it sucks. But Safari goes, don't they know this is L.A.? People got titties. They Yes. You like, blank out the word titties. That's not a curse. It's just the word titties. I'm assuming it's titties. It looked like she said titties, but I'm bad at lip reading, so... It could have been tits. I don't know. Either way, tits or titties. Who cares? Well, it's 2007. Things were a little bit more strict back then. They're open. Yeah, they're PC culture. This is shortly after. Was PC uh, in other ways. This is within five years. You can't say titties, but you could say a lot of bad stuff. This is within five years of uh, Nipplegate, so Mm. we were all still recovering. Nips. Probably still had a boring you know, classic rock halftime show to recover from the scandal that was Justin Timberlake ruining Janet Jackson's life. Yeah, I said it. Titties. <laughs> yeah, I said that. <laughs> We're really fucking losing it today. A lot like, of titty what? talk. Didn't we t- a lot just, of titty talk last week. Too, we've I been think. talking about tits a lot, and I don't think it's going to get any better when we move on to Rock of Love. I think the only time we'll be safe well, for talking about... Well, then it's going to be about- all titties. Because they're that's always what I'm in, like, bikinis or, That's yeah. what I'm saying. And My kind of show. Relax. Because they're all fake, so it's not really your kind of show. That's true. No offense if you've got fake tits out there. No, Although, no shaming like, ever. It's not like you really want Mike to like your tits, so. I guess it nets out, Everyone right? wants them to, yes. We are fucking losing our minds. If you are still listening, I am so appreciative. I, can't, I mean, I'm appreciative anyway, but I'm especially appreciative now. <laughs> Tangent. Five star review. Five star review. It says like, love the show. Just one thing. Y'all just talk if, about tits a just, lot. If you guys could shut the fuck up about tits, that would be great. <laughs> Titties for the world. Appreciate all tits. <laughs> they finally find a dress. We don't really see the full dress, but it's white and has straps on it. And Keith's like, you look like a princess, which I want to believe was nice, but still kind of felt condescending. But that's just me being negative, I guess. Then after she leaves, Laylene shows up. And unsurprisingly, it seems to be much easier to find a dress for Laylene than it well, was to find. Laylene is sample size. Yes. Like Laylene is sample size, even with her like giant, excellent work, fake boobs. Well, you don't know that. What? We've never seen them. 
We don't know we've if they've seen been a, done no, perfectly. We've gotten very close. A lot and of them say they're like bolt-ons. Not that, hey, if that's what you're into, I that's think what you're that into. It's I, very like old school porn stars. I think that they were just hating. And remember Safari gave her props later on where she's like, New York's boobs look like shit. She should have gotten them done by whoever did Laylene's. That is true. And we saw Laylene's boobs like basically out where she was just had her hands over her nipples. Like she got a solid boob job. We've talked about this at length. <laughs> I love that we said we're going to move on from talking about tits and we go right we're still talking about tits. So I can't believe I don't know if they told her to say this or it just worked out in the narrative arc of Laylene's favor that she goes, I so feel like pretty woman right now. Yeah, that was. You know. I mean, obviously, that was sort of the vibe of the whole of the whole show but it felt extra driven home because Laylene is a sex worker actually well, and saw, the gold dress look like a strip and it also it's they are I don't know if they're in Beverly Hills I don't know where in LA this was but it did it, the store looks kind of similar you know like it all just felt very reminiscent without her actually needing to say it but she does clarify that she's not a hooker just like I love the hierarchy of that. Well, I guess not that there's anything wrong with sex work. That at positive all. podcast. Yeah. We fully support. I guess all is ho- I was. I, I'm, I'm hesitating because I know work. that. Yes, I'm. I'm hesitating because I know that hooker is not like politically correct anymore. But sex work in that regard, or strippers, yes. or whatever you do, as long as you're consenting adults, go for it. Make that money. Fuck yeah. I mean, while we live in this capitalist hellscape. Uh, so she comes out in a champagne colored gown that looked kind of ill fitting. But Keith's like, Ugh, we don't want to go back to you being a stripper. Where's a dollar? I should give, be giving you a dollar right now. And I'm like, I cannot fucking wait to never see you again. Holy shit. They find a red strapless gown that they both love. And Keith's like, wow, the transformation is complete. The woman is now a woman. Because, you know, strippers aren't women unless they're refined. Exactly. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, strippers aren't women, of course. Laylene says in a talking head that she feels like a princess and that this is a fairy tale come true. Next, we see Safari show up at Salon Session Studios, which I haven't seen this before, but it one feels very LA and two seems like a generally excellent idea that it says it's a salon and a photo studio nice this is like pre-instagram folks. this is like very pre-instagram folks Safari says in a talking head that after she finds her dress Keith sends her to the hair salon and she goes I didn't see no hair hanging up on no racks I didn't see no trademarks of a person who knows how to do a weave and now I'm a little frightened Mickey is there and waiting for them and she says that she wants to see the safari that's emerged no longer settling for her current hair situation and just gesturing to safari's hair. Safari asks the stylist named we we find out later is named Nico props to him because he does a great job I think. He did and for going in so unknown but there's no way they were going to let it happen. What? Where they'd make either of them look bad. 
Although um, you could kind of tell after this, Safari wasn't feeling her hair too much. Well, I mean, the fact that she went back to her actual... Well, I guess it depends on when they recorded the talking heads. Because in Safari's talking head, she's got the same hair that she's the, had. Like, blonde and pinkish. Yeah. yeah. And Laylene has her new haircut. Mm. So what is the truth? Tell us now. <laughs> I want ants. Like if <laughs> that's a, like imagine it's like you you could only get like one question answered about like the VH1 CU production in secret insights whatever and like that was what we wasted our question on. <laughs> Safari asked the stylist if he's going to take the hair she currently has on off and put in new hair, but she wants to make sure that she saves the pink hair underneath because she likes it. She does, they they get a good kick out of this, and she ultimately resigns to let them do whatever they think is best. Laylene shows up a little bit later, I assume, and is brought to another section of the salon. Mickey says that Laylene's hair, I mean, it's hard, what are you really going to do with Laylene's hair? She's got the hair that, like, people die for. She's got, like, shampoo commercial hair. Fair, yeah. You know, what, what are you really going to do? Like, oh, no, we're going to also blow it out and give you, like, luxurious, soft curls like what what the <laughs> fuck like so and i thought that this was a good choice though despite all of that that mickey says that Leilene's hair is in the ordinary category not the extraordinary category and so they want to up her extraordinary factor she is quick to take advantage of the salon services like she immediately you can see Safari still like getting comfortable with the idea of being in a salon like this. Laylene is like, this is where I belong. Yeah. <laughs> Just instantly like, Annie, I think I'm gonna like it here. <laughs> I think that's the second time I've referenced that on this show. Really? Not, not in this episode, but in our whole podcast in general. Interesting. So Laylene is getting her hair cut and she tells Mickey, she's like, wow, like as he's cutting, like it feels like... I'm getting rid of my past along with all this hair. Meanwhile, they cut like the smallest amount. Yeah. Well, we'll get to what their hair ultimately looks like. Although I assume if you're listening to this, you might have watched it already. I feel like it's our tangents only make sense if you've actually watched the episode. <laughs> but who fucking knows? We get a bunch of like quick shots of both of them getting stuff done. And we ultimately only see them very quickly but we see that Leiling got like a layer like layers basically and Safari gets her color upgraded and it, it's a beautiful color on her it doesn't look that great I'm not a fan of the hairstyle on her we'll get to it but we're talking strictly color at this point oh I thought that the color looked good when she was dressed up but not when she was in her regular clothes. Mm. But sometimes I feel like that's the case when you come out of a salon, like because your hair is so much more better done and put together than the rest of you is by default. It's like a very jarring contrast. I just might be making stuff up. Who fucking knows anymore? Mickey is like adorably over the moon happy. She like, in particular, when Safari's leaving, she's like, you're beautiful. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I actually found this kind of cringeworthy. Mickey? Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. I just. I thought it was extremely awkward. I thought 
Her that's kind of like when someone what is the commonality where it's like someone I guess it would be for you being like you know a black woman like where your hair is like curly or different and people are like oh it's beautiful anyway and you're kind of like well no I get that I I did not see it that way at all I think because I felt awkward I felt like she, it was overdone it was she reminded me of somebody that we know so I she she gave off very vibes very similar to this person how that person is like relentlessly positive well i see it, it can mickey come didn't across seem fake. genuine I, you me. don't think that mickey seemed genuine i feel like mickey seemed so genuine like when she turned i don't i didn't really see it i watched it i went well that was really fucking weird okay agree to disagree how dare you it's final elimination time two hours later <laughs> So we see some getting ready shots because they're they're coming out of the limos with their dresses and they're fixing their makeup and stuff. And I thought this was really nice what Safari says in her talking head where she's like, if somebody would have told me like a month ago or a year ago that you could go through an obstacle course, I'd be like, nope, I'm a smoker. No way. If you would have told me that I would be giving my, all my stuff away and like actually want to do it and mean it, I would have been like, <laughs> you know, you don't even have that much stuff to give. And if somebody would have told me that I could walk away from a fight, like, I'd have been laughing and probably punched them in the face. <laughs> She's like, but now I know I can do all of these things plus more. So she goes on to say a little bit, too, that she hopes Monique sees in her tonight that she's a good person with a big heart and that she deserves to win charm school. We do get a clip of her. We get clips of her getting ready while she's doing this and just those heinous 2000s sandal heels where it's like the upside down triangle and it's all stones and just like oh the 2000s was a terrible time for women's shoes i cannot stress that Mm -hmm. enough we got a Laylene talking head and the only reason why i really included this was it was so weird that she you know how i said during flavor of love in particular that what they're concerned about in those final moments kind of shows to me why they were really here yeah how Laylene's like so the limo gets me back to the house and yeah I'm ready to go get my money she wants to win she wants that money I but like it's it's, she uh, needs to provide a better life for her kids I get that and I get that obviously if you're really hard up for money that it is going to be a motivating factor to you. But it just came across as very um, cold to me, eh. given like the emotions of the situation. It just seemed very cut and dry. Like, hi, I'm here. Money, please. No, I'd have to rewatch, I guess. I don't know. Just the fact that she brought up the money in this instance. Which I didn't get that. Arguably, Safari needs it more because she's literally homeless. <laughs> yeah, Safari like, obviously needs Safari's it more. And Safari's focus was more on, you know, I've I've bettered myself. I guess because, I mean, not that they mind playing the same sorts of roles in their talking heads over and over. But I just was surprised that they decided to go with a Leilene sounding very cut and dry about wanting the money. She then goes on to say, oh, it was a crazy ride. I was the weak one. Didn't think I'd make it through. Everybody thought I was just my job. And, you know, the only thing that could make all of this better at for being at the end of charm school is winning the $50,000. So they do these dramatic slow motion shots of both of them coming down the, the staircases like simultaneously. 
when we see the dresses, they are not great. No. Safari is, is I think, better. I liked the white on her. Well, they had to do something. It with just her was boobage. like a, but it was like a little boring and they both also have shawls on that really take down the dresses a lot that like make them look a lot more matronly very mother of the bride looks for women who are in their late 20s early 30s i will say though Laylene had like the biggest smile on her face she She just looks so genuinely happy she also seems like a nervous smile safari looked like she was either number one despising her hair or number yeah, two was she... just that nervous. She didn't seem happy with her hair. That's what I was looking so at. So I, what's funny is like I was trying to figure out what I didn't like about the way Safari looked, and when I took each of those elements individually, I was like, well, I don't think her haircut is that bad. The hair. I think the bangs were what made it bad. It did the the way the bangs were angled very close to her eyes just because styled, of the yes. just because of the kind of eyes that she has and her posture in that moment, it did remind me a tiny bit of Uncle Fester and Adam's family values when he gets the wink. What? You know he's standing. No, his I know what you're talking like about. Very, like he's like all up in his neck, and he's got that bowl cut wig. You just feel, yeah, I guess uncomfortable. Yeah, like I didn't he, think about Uncle Fester. <laughs> My God, he could have just styled it a little differently. I don't know, because, but I have to say, I love the color. Like, I, I think also, like, I really hated the color situation she had going on before, but I really thought that like a richer tone on her was a very good look. I think my issue was the bangs and because I was like looking, I was like her makeup did a really good job, except I guess because the bangs created a lot more shadows on her face. Plus, she wasn't standing very confidently, I assume, because she was nervous. Yeah. Which she said she was extremely nervous. And I mean, Smiley is like Lillian's name was Smiley for a reason. Also true. So, you know, she seems like a nervous smiler. Monique is gushing about them in a talking head she's like oh my god they look so beautiful blah 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 i don't and i liked like lean's haircut too i i think that it aged her in a good way like i think that it looked like a mature grown-up haircut yeah i like but not so not that it aged her so much that it was like it looked like an age-appropriate haircut Yes. Not that her hair looked bad. Obviously, we all know that I loved her hair before. But yeah, I was going to say, her hair looked... She really didn't have to get her hair done. I guess they wanted to make her look more grown up because she's a grown up. It's like you're graduating. Yeah, yes. like you would have to... You're getting your grown up haircut. Yes. So they do the elimination in the same room that they always do it. But this time it's decorated with a lot more flowers. And I think more like charm school logos. But I might have just been not paying attention before. Monique says to the ladies that there were times where she was really frustrated and angry and like totally dismayed at what she saw. But then there were other times where she was so proud of them. So Monique talks to each one of them individually and says, you know, Laylene, America knew you as Smiley. And when I first met you, you wore that beautiful smile. but You were a mess inside. (laughs) And you had become unsure about how to stand up for yourself and fight for yourself. But over the past several weeks, which I was like, weeks. Could have been a little weeks. longer. I mean, two weeks, I guess, qualifies as weeks. Yeah. I was just like, weeks? When you stumbled, I watched you get stronger and those tears dried up. Laylene has discovered just how strong and beautiful she is. That's priceless. Which I thought was a nice little jab to the fact that she's really hung up on the money. Ta- 
She then turns to Safari and says, when you came to charm school, you were really rough around the edges. But over those weeks, I've watched the edges soften up. And your biggest transformation came when you had your tested out of the closet. You came with the least and you gave the most. And now that I really understand your walk in life, like I, I recognize how difficult that was for you to do and the fact that you did it anyway. So she says to both of them that before she goes any further, she just wants to be clear about something that it's a really hard decision to have to make because both of them have really shown so much growth. And she says in a talking head, Monique, that she really would give both of them the money if given the opportunity. So she then calls Laylene forward and again stresses that she's grown so much and has made this really great transformation but unfortunately Laylene is not the winner of charm school so that's kind of when it registers with Safari that that means that she won but she is clearly trying to hold in crying in that moment like, yeah for you now. have to you gotta wait for your moment and I thought it was nice that they have her in her talking heads and I know that you say like oh this is scripted and editing and blah 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 but I think it was I think some of these moments are reflections of who they are that she's in this talking head talking about it and she's like me I'm the winner like it was very demure and kind of out of character for her like she seemed very humble about yeah. it but Monique continues after saying you know you're not the winner of charm school but you're but you will be a big success and she says that she got a call this morning from one Dean Keith I was like, that actually sounds like a badass name, but we, Keith, whatever the Dean fuck Keith? is. Yeah, Dean Keith. He's got a porn star name. Uh, chill. Uh, You're the one that says that about literally I know, every I know. name, male or female, and now the one time. I say that about wrestler, female wrestler names sound, a lot of them sound like porn star names. Yeah. Anyway, Keith, for those who don't remember, in addition to being like a Miss California person in charge i don't know what the fuck he did but he also ran a talent agency and he apparently said monique i would be really honored to represent Laylene, which is further contextualized i had forgotten all about this in a flashback from the very first episode where he said that no one in that entire motley crew of them would get within 50 feet of his office so mm -hmm. clearly he's come around as well so Monique and Laylene hug and they thank each other. Laylene in her exit interview was like, I'm going to be in Hollywood pursuing the Hollywood dream. Good like, for her. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Let her be excited. My God. I guess I, I'm really just kind of like cringed about it because I know that it doesn't really like work out well, for her. Yeah, you know? duh. Oh, Laylene and Safari hug and Laylene is continuing on with her exit interview and she's like, I really ended up winning like the inner success battle. So one person won the battle of like getting $50,000 while the other person was still a winner at Redemption. And I thought that was cool. I I have to make another Mean Girls reference. I'm sorry. But it reminded me so much of Karen being like, no, you have your cousins and you have your first cousins. <laughs> I don't think I remember that part. Oh my god! I don't. I don't know Mean Girls lines. Is, why are you so whack? 
I know lines from everything but Mean Girls. That's so, so whack. Shove it. Whoa. Monique then calls so fiery forward. And this I thought was a very nice exchange where she goes, if you remember the first night that you were here and you and I were just standing in the foyer and there were no cameras around and nobody was really around and you, do you remember what you said to me? And she nods and Monique, she goes, Monique, I'm, I'm going to make you proud of me. And I said, no, you're going to make you proud of you. That comes with the official proclamation that Safari is the first winner of charm school i forgot how monique phrases it i have no idea but it was something like the yeah basically that she's the winner but it was something about the placement of the word first that i was like i don't know what they were expecting following this you know like more seasons of this of course i mean technically how dare you assume the thing is they treat the rock of love one like a completely different franchise like Mm. i don't know so Safari is at this point very loudly crying and This is the part that got me when yeah. she right as she said like you're the winner and she immediately cries and jumps out and just says like thank you Monique. Yeah. Like that's the moment you really like in her head it clicked. Like even though she knew she won, but when it's announced and then she goes for it, it's kinda like, oh But not even I was that. like, damn, I yo. Mean, yes, a hundred percent agree. That with just you. changed her life. I do agree with you on that. But I think beyond that, and I kind of wanted to discuss this a little bit more at the very end, but I can talk about it now because it fits. I think that this made for an exceptional redemption arc, given how she was introduced to all of us as the girl who got kicked off the first day with no name for getting into a fight with a girl over a bed and hitting her with flowers and offering her lip chap and all that stuff you know what i mean like it, yeah. it was it really came together in a way that just was so satisfying i found it was like a snickers like in addition to noticing that knowing about her that she you know was homeless and really could use the money for tangible human needs it was really nice to see that she had gone from being like, oh, that that ghetto hood rat chick blah, blah, on TV to being, you know, the winner in a in a much better context than having Flavor Flav as your prize. Like, I mean, <laughs> that is true. I mean, really, like fifty dollars would be better than Flavor Flav, let alone fifty thousand dollars. Again, worth noting, by the way, that the grand prize for rock of love charm school is higher they had more money at the time it certainly could be that i have other theories that i think contributed to that but that is besides the point (laughs) when the time comes monique says in a talking head that she chose safari as the winner because when you look at her and a person who's been homeless and has to fight for everything she took that power and she really made it she really changed people's minds like she really checked people from being judgmental and it it is really powerful that she was able to do that and you know what i was one of those people who was just like oh yeah she's that loud annoying girl who fights and that like i said before already in this episode it makes you look at people and be like everybody's got a story you don't really expect her to win but like like there's times where you do and you times didn't where expect you her to win 
No, I did. I was gonna say, let's talk about it. Let's let's cut to the chase. I mean, well, no. So once I not. had it kind of spoiled, like I scrolled by something and I saw like, oh, the, I could have swore I thought it said the winner and then her name, and I was like, well, fuck, I had it ruined, and then I stopped it. I was like, well, I'm not surprised. Well, that's why if I was gonna talk about it. What I say? Most, well, hold on. So we'll we'll get back to it in a second. There is one last thing while she's talking to Safari that is worth noting, and in addition to the. $50,000 weird novelty midi novelty check that they give her Monique gets her boots back that she gave away at the thrift store she told her she was going to I know but it was nice it was a nice full circle moment Monique calls both ladies up because Laylene is still there like Laylene had gone back to her mark and she calls both of them up for a group hug and she's like we did it and they all kind of say to each other like we did it so then Safari goes on this whole thing where she's like, I know without God, I I lied. This was almost the iconic line of the week because it's the logic of it is just spectacular. So she says, I know without God, I never would have hit H-Town in the first place that got me here in charm school. And just the thought. Well, which is actually kind of funny when you think about it. She goes, stop interrupting my prayers before God direct me to whoop your ass. Yeah. And it is like another full circle moment where, you know, if she, it's true. If she hadn't have hit H-Town. She wouldn't be here. She wouldn't, you know. Doesn't even go here. She, not only would she. Oh, look at you with your mean girl quotes now. It's the only one I know. And Bianca Belair says it in NXT a lot. <laughs> So like another quote that you're attributing to somebody that's actually attributed exactly. to somebody else. But I just I love the idea that in her mind, you know, it honestly is like a really weird lesson. And just like sometimes what you think is like the worst thing that ever happened to you. One of the worst things that could ever happen to you turns out to be a blessing in disguise because it's what got her here. It's not only what got her here, but it definitely I'm sure helped her ultimately be the winner well yeah so she had the most to work on it so seems. put a pin in that she's so safari in real time is like thanking god and she's falling to her knees crying and you know she she went from being a diamond in the rough to feeling like a polished up diamond and there's it's a new and improved safari and i want everybody to sit up and take notice she goes this may sound corny but i really do feel like a princess and then we get an exterior shot of the house and there's those terrible fake fireworks that we saw in i love new york <laughs> and it literally the end comes across and yes. the chiron <laughs> and that's the whole show so let's we've talked about it a little bit but let's talk a little bit more about do you think safari should have won over Laylene? yeah yeah. She needs it more than anyone, so I don't see why not. I mean, the problem is Laylene also needs it for a perfectly but good the all, reason. The whole show, I feel it like. It would have been versus anybody else. I would have sided with Laylene. Laylene but... never... To me, Laylene didn't seem to improve at all throughout the season. She was one of those that always just seemed like she was getting by. No, I think Laylene was pretty committed to trying to better herself. And I think the fact not that Not saying she... she wasn't trying. I'm just saying it didn't seem like she necessarily did too much i mean she got over some self-conscious thingies like when they. Did i guess the in terms of thing. like what what a transformation could include you know standing up for yourself versus learning how to control your emotions and overcome the hardships in your life 
it, it's stronger. And she's homeless. Like the last, the latter is right. Yeah. The latter is more um, noteworthy and more of an accomplishment in a way. I would, so I have zero argument against. No, I'm whatsoever. not saying I argue, but I want to run by you too. Do you think that because Safari was the underdog as the person who had we never really even got to see her on the show initially. Do you think that they came in from the beginning being like, we want this girl to win? Yeah, of course. hundred percent. That they, She's okay. Homeless. Okay, fine. So as no, but beyond that, do you think as a wrestling fan, it was all at work that do you think that from the beginning, they were like, we're going to call this girl up and we're going to do everything in our power to make it. So she's the winner. Or do you think that it was some degree of that or genuinely an organic success? I don't know if I would say it's an organic success. Because she never really seemed to be... How organic are we? I don't know. She never really seemed to be in trouble with going home. Yes, she was. She was in the bottom several times. She was in the bottom in the... In the Whatchamacallit challenge, in the challenge 